Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Alex Coos. And I'm Corey Reynolds. I'm Michael right. Piercy. And I am Nicholas Mike-Lonis. And we're here for the Ratkin Army Review for a third edition. Just briefly, uh, we can get go through... Corey, Mike, uh, Michael, and uh, Nicholas, your uh, credentials and why we should uh, care about your opinions about Ratkin. So, Corey, what about you? Sure, I'll start first. So, um, Corey Reynolds, I am the tournament organizer for the Crossroads Grand Tournament in upstate New York, and most recently the tournament organizer for the 2020 U.S. Masters. And so, as far as Ratkin credentials go, I uh, played Ratkin for, I wouldn't say most of 2019, but a lot in 2019, and placed third overall at the Masters with playing Ratkin last year. All right, Michael. Um, yeah, I've been I've been playing Rats for a while um, since back in the uh, the old Fantasy Battles days. Um, they've kind of always been my my favorite fantasy wargaming faction. Um, I uh, took a pretty good battle placing at a Capital City Clash at the the most recent one, um, and I uh, am the author of the the short story um, featuring the Rat Kid in the Uncharted Empires book. Nice. And you, Nicholas? Yeah, I've been playing Ratkin since Kings of War 2nd Edition, back to the beginning there, as well as an avid Skaven player back in the Warhammer Fantasy days. As for why you should listen to me, last year I made first overall at Lone Wolf, Second place at Bayou with an undefeated record between both of those tournaments. At Masters earlier this year, I was the top rat out of everyone there. And I'm just sort of an avid tournament player. Nice. Regular listeners will have note that I uh, I got best general at best of the rest. So not quite a Masters level player, but I got a top uh, general at uh, the best of the rest with rats this year. And played them all of last year. And I think I got like 15th overall in the region, Northeast region. I'll defer to these gentlemen most of the time. (laughs) With third edition, have you guys done any new hobby for your Ratkin army? Added anything? Changed anything up? I have had, I have so much stuff painted up for rats. It's not even funny. Uh, So the only thing I really needed to do to add into my list is paint up a, a few brood mothers to go onto the list. That's really all I've got cooking. Um, I've got a a bunch of units of Vermintide uh, that are in the works. Um, haven't quite completed them yet. There are the the I think it's Whizkids, the the little stacks of rats, and I have oh, them nice. coming out of some foam kind of cave holes that I'm that I'm creating for the basing. Very cool. Yeah, for myself, I've had the addition of the couple of brood mothers, which have been pretty interesting models, as well as three of the night terrors. For third edition, I added a mutant rat fiend, uh, an extra brood mother, and I made up a little conversion for the tangle using one of the Wizkid like rat swarms and a bunch of other rats propelling an old plague priest model I had kicking around. 
So very nice. Yeah, it, <laughs> I was pretty happy with how that turned out. Yeah, Tangle is still in the to-do pile with a big stack of boxes as well in general. I highly recommend it. We'll get to that later, though. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> you know, our main topic here is talking about Ratkin, and I think with third edition, it's nice. We were talking a bit before we started recording about how now with third edition, there's a bit more fluff, there's a bit more backstory to the world, especially for the Uncharted Empires armies. Uh, Michael actually wrote the short story in the or the background section in Uncharted Empires for Ratkin, so I think he's just going to take a quick read a quick excerpt from that to give us all a kind of a sense of where we're coming from fluff wise sure yeah um so the story is called unfettered um it's at the the start of the the uncharted empire's book um i think it's on like the second page of the book uh yeah third page volric wiped blood from his muzzle and ground his fangs together in satisfaction a sound lost among the cacophony of battle pulling his heavy curved blade from the body of the foe at his feet he spat in disgust upon the slain at Bizzledorf's mask. A grotesque thing, fashioned to look like one of the leering gargoyles that flew overhead. Kicking aside the fire cannon that the warrior had wielded against him, he scanned the raging battle and took stock of his position. His pack had pushed up a sloping hillside to reach the decimators, but the toll had been heavy. Volric felt an aching fury as he surveyed the carnage. The charred bodies of Ratkin littered the hillside, clogging the air with the thick, heavy scent of smoldering fur. He felt a phantom itch from the whip scars that crisscrossed his own back, and turned to deliver a vicious kick to the corpse. Volric, it comes for us, Volric. Protect us from the enemy. Volric whirled, his tail twitching as the voice crept into his mind. He scanned the battlefield. The voice was soundless, but he knew the source immediately. Without hesitation, he was off and running, darting through the frenzied melee of dwarves and ratkin until he found them. So that kind of gives us a really good sense of where the Ratkin are coming from in like Mantica or, you know, Panathor. So, you know, they're, they were bred to be the slaves of the Abyssal Dwarves and now they're free and they're fighting back and they're carving out their own little niche in the world. So, yeah, coming from that direction or even just like in general, what was each of your inspiration or motivation to play Ratkin in Kings of War? For me, um, the motivation to play any sort of kind of, I guess, humanoid rat force just in general in any of the, the fantasy games that I played came from the old, uh, the old Redwall books. Um, I had, I had all of those as a kid and, um, and I loved, I loved those books. So, uh, it kind of was naturally my, my favorite fantasy force. Yeah, for me, I've had Skaven was my very first fantasy miniature army way back in the Warhammer 5th edition days. So I've been collecting that army the longest. I think I have over 7,000 points worth of models collected, built, and probably painted up. So for me, it was just made sense. And honestly, Kings of War in 2nd edition kind of gave me the Horde-type army that I always truly wanted to play. So that's my rationale. Cool. I love Skaven. They're my first real army, and I loved playing them during the Warhammer lifespan. I liked how saying they were a dark mirror of humanity, showing a society of the worst aspects running wild. Everyone is jealous of those above him and cruel of those below. But this is still done in a comical bend, keeping them from being bland in a single note. The thankful books were great in humanizing them, making them feel like a real part of the world. 
on the table. It's fun to put both pure numbers and some of the crazier tech down, and both players have a fun time, excluding the most grievous blowout games. I find them adorable, and their players keep adding more fan content online. Mantic also has a rule set of Fantasy Ratman, which allows third-party models to represent them. The only reason why I haven't torn them off and put them on round bases is the thought of the growing King's War community and the fear of inspecting just how much damage is done for them from the TSA. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like it's always been like, and it's, this is especially true in Kings of War. Like, I, think I started collecting them back in sixth edition fantasy, but like the ranks and flanks, like they're they're like this weird twisted version of the Roman Empire, like how the Roman Empire f- fought. <laughs> you got like you know your auxiliaries are your like your wretches and warriors and shock troops are your, your actual centurions. It's just like that, but like and you have you know your ballistae, but you have the you know, the claw shots and shredders. But you have like this order, but it's also chaotic and also you know a little bit you know evil and not quite as orderly as you think it should be. So you get like this nice mix. It's not quite you know just the good guys or like the normal empire, but you get like this, this structure and chaos at the same time with a, la- a large army, which is what I really like about the army. We all talked about we're using a mix of, well, I'm personally using a mix of all sorts of different Warhammer fantasy stuff, plus some Mersha monsters. I know, Corey, you were saying you're mainly using your older fantasy army. I think there are some people out there using the Veerman line, the the sci-fi line, and there's some new conversion kits coming out from Mantic, but there's not a ton of options from Mantic right now or up leading up to this year for them. Uh, Nicholas or Michael, do either of you use any other than GW miniatures in your army? Um, I'm I'm using some of the uh, the Veerman. I've got the the, the Mantic Tangle um, nice. that I really like, and then I also have. Um, some of the uh, the nightmares, which kind of are in a weird spot in the list play-wise, but the models themselves are, are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I've got the tangle as well. Then I picked up both of the brood mothers, which the the special ones from the Volt Chasers box. That's a really nice model in general, and just feels like it has a lot of flavor to it. Yeah, I think they have a lot of really good character, and I think you can see that going forward with the new Vanguard miniatures too. They have a pretty a strong aesthetic going forward, which I think will help set them apart and, you know, propel them forward. The slaves have a strong aesthetic because they're super jacked. Yeah. Those slaves have been working out. <laughs> They've been worked hard. We've mentioned it before. Ratkin are an evil army, and their special rule for the whole army is plague pots. Once per game, at the start of your turn, you may choose to give the unit ensnare and stealthy special rules until the start of your next turn and the the units plague pots are then destroyed and cannot be used for the remainder of the game so you get a little bit of a one turn blight mode for a few different uh, units in the army now which is nice but then we'll get to the point where we lost blight which is sad those are a very popular unit in second edition we're just going to go start going through each unit and we're going to talk about you know, the stats, special rules, strengths and weaknesses, how they can be used effectively on the battlefield and combined with other units. So to start off, we're going to have Corey talk about uh, the warriors. 
All right, so I'll start off with just our basic warriors. Uh, these guys are just regular infantry, height two, uh, speed six, melee five, defense four. Uh, they can be taken in hordes and regiments. As a regiment, they have unit strength two, 12 attacks, a 12-14 nerve, and are 85 points. And as a horde, they have unit strength three, 25 attacks, a 19-21 nerve, at 145 points, and most importantly, the horde gets the rallying one special rule, and then they also take plague pots for 15 points. So, what is everybody's opinions on just the base warriors here? I would say that, like, I went ahead and wrote down some ratings for each unit, but I think I'd like to qualify them before I start just giving out numbers. Like, for example, like Warriors, I see them as a 2 out of 5 first without Plague Pots, but I think that we can look at them as basically start looking at internal consistency across the army when reviewing units. So if you look at just like a 1 through 5 rating, I would think that, let's say a unit that's worth a 5, for example, a unit that which is a 5, which could be worth... Building an entire army around, for example, like let's say your demon spawn, you can make a whole army based around just him and what he would be doing. And then down from that, like if you had a four out of five, I would say that if a unit's a four, they can be taken in any army list without making it worse or without helping out, like needing any support units. And then you go down to like, let's say a three out of five unit which would be considered average, whereas a 2 out of 5 units would require, let's say, support, like anything behind them between units like the Tangle, Broodmothers, or Further Bane Chant, anything like that. So, for example, like, just thinking of the Warriors, I don't think that the basic Warriors are worth it, except as replacements for the old play style of the slaves that we used to have from the second edition list. I feel that just being unit strength three as compared to a four from the spearmen, I think that's worth an awful lot in overall army building with a lot of the units we're going to see across the table being unit strength three from elite infantry such as say reapers from the nice stalkers or i think immortal guard like other ogre units and horde formation king's men foot guard a basic regiment's unit strength three so if i have a unit which is just two-thirds of my points contesting me on an objective compared to if i had a horde of spears there instead which would win being a higher unit strength I think that one of their big weaknesses is having that lesser strength on the board. Yeah, I mean, regular Warriors for me are just a cheap unlock and not worth much else in my mind. Not even I don't even think they're necessarily worth the Plague Pot upgrade, to be honest. And the fact that they have expendable is nice, but I've got other things that I can cast drain life on that are better targets for that than warriors at their price point. I, I do like the warriors. Um, they're ex- extremely cheap. In fact, probably the, the list that I was using the most during playtesting had three hordes of warriors at its core, 
just for the uh, kind of the discounted um, discounted rate to to get the all of those unlocks that uh, that I needed at the time. Um, I still run at least a horde of them in most lists. Um, as Corey mentioned, that expendable is an important differentiator between them and some of the other core units. It really just depends how um, how much you're using that uh, boosted drain life that the Broodmother gets. Although I would say, even though it's just kind of half for us, I do find the regiments worth it if you're taking the Ratkin Slaves in that formation. Because then you can take the Last Breath upgrade on them, which even if they're a regiment, it still makes them kind of scary for that fact. Yeah, I guess uh, that's funny to kind of discuss. I really do, I do enjoy that <laughs> that option in the uh, Abyssal Dwarf Ratkin Slaves list. I wish it was something that was present here. It might make them a little more interesting, right? I guess that would be for another episode. Let's talk about spearmen. Who wants to tackle spearmen? I'll go ahead. Um, it's a uh, yeah. The the spear warriors are going to be in like most armies, pretty similar to the basic warriors. Um, you get speed six, melee five, defense four, available in a regiment and in a horde. Um, you do get the boosts to unit strength and attacks. So unit strength three in a regiment, four in a horde, 15 attacks in a regiment, 30 attacks in a horde. Uh, the same nerve. So a 1214 as a regiment, 1921 as the horde and special rules coming on this unit are going to be the phalanx and then rally one. Um, these can take the plague pots, uh, but they do not have the expendable rule that the warriors have. All right, so that's the trade-off, right? Is if you want to take these guys, you don't get to sacrifice them. That being said, I kind of do like them with the plague pots, right? As just one mainline holding unit. If you're facing somebody that has a lot of thunderous charge or flyers or cavalry, they actually can do quite a good job just sitting there and sticking them in place for a turn or two. Yeah, they can definitely pretty be pretty hard to remove. Um, if you're making a full use of the rally, you're talking to 21, 23. Um, I kind of like the idea of running these with the Dragon Shard Shield and Plague Pots. Um, I a love it. A little bit more pricey, but yeah, Unit Strength 4 to be able to just sit there with Def 6, Phalanx, and Ensnare, and Stealthy. Um, so hard to remove uh, from any, pretty much from any threat. And it's still cheap for what still, it's doing, right? It's yeah, taking still, way still many, many more points. Yeah, I agree. I feel that there are very few Ratkin lists out there that wouldn't benefit from a horde of spear warriors thrown in there. They can go in the center of your line or like holding a flank, and they're going to sit there pretty much guaranteed for a couple turns no matter what comes at them. And that was actually really big in my the first game I played at U.S. Masters where I was playing against a herd army with just a ton of thunderous charge coming at me. But the defense flyers, for like dragons as well. That, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even things like dragons, where the biggest offense they have is three to hit with wounding you on twos, going from a three to a four is a major difference. And they have so few attacks to begin with. Right. And if you can stick these guys in a nice chunk of terrain somewhere, and then where somebody kind of is stuck charging you, you don't even have to break your plague pots on the first turn. That's an awesome tar pit. And I think 75% of the time, at least. It's worth giving them the Plague Pots, if not more. Just being able to the Plague Pots to give you the option to let your Spear Warrior survive from two combats to possibly three. Exactly. Yeah. Or even more, because 
I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you have a brood mother right behind them, or at least in proximity. Yeah, I think that's the key, right? Those your your army becomes surprisingly more resilient once you start adding in all the healing options that we've got. So why don't we jump over to the the shock tro- the shock troops? You want to take those, Nicholas? Sure. So shock troops, like most units, are speed four or speed six, but unlike the rest, they are melee four and defense four to go along with that. So they're elite for rats. They come in troops, regiments, and hordes, being unit strength one for troops, three for regiments, and four for hordes. And for attacks, they are 12 for a troop, 15 for a regiment, and a respectable 30 for a horde with nerves. 9-11 for troops, 13-15 for a regiment, and a mighty 20-22 starting at 85 points, then jump to 130 and 220. They have the option for plague pots, and you can upgrade them to have phalanx for 10, 15, or 25 points to go along with their rallying one at the horde version and their crushing strength. Now, in my opinion, the shock troops were the biggest loser from the change to third edition. And I felt that every time I went into melee in the games that I would play, now they've become more survivable just through they are their new ability to take the new upgrades. But at the same point, if I need a unit to survive, then Spear Rats do almost as well jo- almost as good of a job since the shock troops just have a single point of nerve above them. But if I'm looking for an elite infantry to really put out some offense, I just kind of felt that they were lacking, especially in the couple games I played against Dwarves with all the Defense 6 running around. I mean, even with a double charge, I just felt that the damage output wasn't there. They do have 30 attacks now over their previous 25. The losing elite, that sort of makes up for it. Right, that's a wash, right? Right. It's just that the Vicious would help just sort of push the bell curve a little bit forward. Yeah, I do find myself missing the Vicious quite a bit, actually. Just to make them a little more threatening, I mean... Now they're not nearly as scary, like you said, especially as you see a lot more heavy defense kind of rolling around. You've really got to invest points in magic item upgrades to get your bang for the buck out of these guys. If you're doing that and giving them plague pots and giving them phalanx, then they're getting really expensive. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't almost feel worth it to upgrade them all the way and give them a magic item. And you start getting into 300 plus point range. And then you have to start comparing them to units like the Hordes of Palisguard that the Elf gets. Right. Yeah. Or even their slightly more anemic cousins with the Sylvankin list. Or just units of fanatics from the Kingdoms of Men. Speed 6 doesn't look quite as impressive when your opponent can get the Speed 5 plus D3. Mm-hmm. And start hitting on 3s instead. But that yeah. being said, Nicholas, I, I end up usually taking one or two hordes of these guys in the list regardless yeah. because you do need something that can deliver a punch I mean, that unlocks, right? 
true, but I feel that the reason why I'm bringing Shock Troops is just momentum from 2nd edition. But they have some really great models painted up to represent them. <laughs> yep. So let me tell you, the unit strength 4, major buff to start Absolutely. making up for a little bit of that. If they can actually survive or actually kill whatever they're fighting, that counts for a lot. But that's just kind of the problem, though. I'm paying upwards of 260 points to do an average of maybe 10 wounds if I'm fighting something average. Which with the previous iteration, I could expect over a dozen or more with Bane Chance if I was able to get that off. Suddenly you're able to threaten cavalry on the counter charge. Right. I think that's the key point here, too, is that... You, you are more survival now because you do have access to things like Plague Pots and or Phalanx if you want to take it. And you've got a ton of healing options backing you up too. So I, I always used to find that my shock troops would eventually get, they would kill what they needed, but man, they would, uh, they would suffer in the long run and eventually die. So I think. Yeah. In, also, in I third edition. A bit more. Mm -hmm. You can really tank them up a little bit. Well, I kind of feel that the change to shock troops was a change to the army dynamic in a whole, or what happened to the shock troops represents the new ideology of how Mantic feels Ratkin should play, with a lot more focus on sustainability, and you just like the, brood, the brood mother and the tangle being right behind them. I feel that they were created and pointed up, expecting you to have those units right behind them at all times. Certainly seems that way, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And when you don't, they just kind of tend to underperform, in my opinion. Yeah, they are definitely a unit that's designed to function with all the support elements running with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Melee 4 gets a little bit less impressive when you have to go over terrain or walls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's always or, the big letdown, is anything, yeah. anything that's melee for. This makes things a little bit more swingy on the dice rolls. And crushing one is nice because a lot of units drop to drop down their offense, but at the same point, if we're going to be seeing a lot more defense six out there, then it's still not a whole lot to count on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of efficiencies driving people to defense six with the the lack of tons of crushing and thunderous options out there now. Yeah. So I think that is a, that is a hard target for rats to, to chew through now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the high defense armies seem to be kind of the, the strongest in the meta. I think like waiver, waiver mitigation, high defense and, and heal. Yeah. I got a double dose of that at us masters though. Though my first game with Jeff, which was super close, was just a hair off either way. Just couldn't really pull ahead in that one, but that's still a problem for later. Do you guys feel that Shock Troops are worth both upgrades or just one of them? I have a hard time justifying the Phalanx on top of it. Just a ton of points then in that unit. Um, I've been running a couple hordes of them most recently with, with neither of the upgrades, to be honest. Um, I would like to try it with the the phalanx and give that a little bit more testing, but I've been running them just naked recently. Yeah, I feel that 
plague pots are the one advantage that Ratkin can have. In fact, that you can sort of pop them once you get into combat to guarantee you'll get at least a use out of it. Although with the phalanx, with the heavy halberds, that's more of a local game call. Are there any herd players or any elf players who you actually see with all the thunders charged out there? Or if there's a lot of flyers to go with them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas, kind of, ironically, there's not much of that where I play. Whereas when I go to other tournaments, the further away I go, it seems to the more herd and cavalry I seem to see, funnily enough. There's some there's some kind of interesting things that you can do, though, with shock troops. And uh, if you were to play kind of a more MSU style of list, um, I like the thought of troops of the shock troops. They definitely want to keep them rallied, but a rallied troop at an 11-13 is a pretty solid nerve. Throw on phalanx, and then you've got a unit at 100 points that hits on force with crushing and is also pretty efficient to um, hold up some of the smaller um, nimble things or, or, or smaller flying things. They have to think twice about getting into the front of those because they're, they're not getting away from the phalanx um, if they aren't able to kill that 11-13 in one go. Um, and again, most things are going to be able to run them over, but for 100 points, they're effectively like um, some pretty killy chaff. Well, the thing is that troops of units become more effective the less direct fire shooting that there is. If you're not going to be seeing any lightning bolts or archers, then there's really no way to stop them from just marching forward right down your throat, turn one. Yeah, even even against even against um, a fair amount of small arms fire, I would probably still do that with little troops like that. Again, at 100 points, um, you know they're not shooting at some of your other bigger units. Um, things like the mutant rat fiend that can also fall to small arms fire um, if they're taking those shots at these little troops of shock troops instead. Sure. Um, that's already kind of a victory. Yeah, and you can still do the old-fashioned trick of keeping them directly behind your hordes and just marching them out right before they need to get somewhere. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a style that... Um, we haven't seen too much of at this point, but I think it can be pretty uh, pretty strong. I haven't I haven't tested it too much myself, but mm, I think it's viable. Viable maybe, but I'd have to see it in action before I say it would be strong. And at 85 points, you're still looking at that versus a full regiment of warriors. I think I think it's better than a regiment of warriors. <laughs> well, it's certainly more threatening than a regiment of warriors, right? Yeah, it, it has the same number of attacks. But on fours instead of fives, with the crushing, defensively, you lose a couple points of nerve, and that's it. Hmm. So the real question is, how many troops of shock troops do you need before that becomes effective? Are we talking, let's say, ten or so? Yeah, Maybe yeah, a dozen. You totally, you totally could run it with with eight to ten to twelve troops of shock troops, and and it could be pretty difficult to stop. Um, and it's Actually, the kind of thing that you know somebody comes into a troop of shock troops and kills them, and they're surrounded by you know three or four others, a flank from a troop of shock troops. You're talking twenty four crushing one attacks. That's that's pretty. Uh, could be pretty right. strong. All right. So just as a thought experiment, 
let's say for unlocking purposes, you'll have, oh, three hordes of spears. Then let's see how many shock troop regiments we can get. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. All right. So let's see. You get thirteen troops and three spear hordes for fifteen sixty. Now you're already up to twenty-four unit strength. That leaves you a good seven hundred or so points to fill up the rest. All right, guys. Pretty thoroughly covered shock troops and the fact that you know I think they're viable at all sizes potentially if you know what you're doing and if you build your list around it. The next unit uh, are wretches, which formerly were slaves. You no longer have the regiment option, which I know a lot of people lamented uh, in the changeover. Devastating, devastating change. (laughs) I know you and I both ran lots of regiments of slaves last edition, Corey. Absolutely, they're my favorite. Ran four hordes of them. Oh, still got the hordes. So, horde, uh, wretches come in hordes and legions. They're uh, speed six, melee five, defense two, as every expendable unit should be. Uh, the horde has unit strength three, the legion four. Uh, the horde has 25 attacks, and the legion has 30. The nerve has a slightly wider gap than normal units. Is 18-21 for the horde and 24-27 for the legion. And their points are 115 and 170. So their special rules are nothing. Uh, but they have the keywords expendable, mob, ratkin, and slave. So the key one is expendable, which means the broodmother can double her, her drain life against them. So uh, see, these, these are guys that I wish had the last breath special rule from the, uh, the alternative list. Absolutely. Be amazing here. I still like them in hordes. They're not too expensive, and against most units, they will still take two turns to die, which is pretty much what you want. You just need something to wait an extra turn to get through, which is something that warrior regiments can't do. Like The warrior regiments, even with the new Defense 4 over slaves, they will often get one-shotted. So it's nice to have something where you can offer up a hindered charge or, you know, even a 16 attack cav unit will have trouble getting through these. So in one turn, right. It's, it's nice to have that one thing on the flank that'll just take two turns to die. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I like the hordes. I think the legions are tough because I can get spear warrior hordes instead. Absolutely. They are a little more survivable and with the phalanx and the plague pots, it's just a, a better choice there. Yeah, I don't think the nerve helps you that much over the, the special rules in that case. Right, and the defense four makes up for it over the defense two, I think, in that scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, even the um, the just regular warriors with plague pots in a horde are uh, cheaper than that legion. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I put wretches at a, basically two out of five. In my opinion, you should just pay the extra 30 points and get warriors. That a two defense is worth way more. And just having the option to take Plague Pots thing makes yeah, it better. I think, I think there's a lot more stuff in the game now that's great for grinding out low defense, high nerf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more Berserker-type regi- uh, regiments out there. Yeah, floating exactly. Around. 
when you can just get one shotted by a, a small regiment or even a, a troop with 20 attacks like mm-hmm. a reapers or something it doesn't it doesn't really hold up very much does it yeah well also just as importantly your basic warriors will win a trash horde back alley fight over on the opposing <laughs> flank of the board when you yeah. have wretches versus zombies it's a 50 50 either way yeah or something like scarecrows whether if i have that you know rat warriors versus undead zombies and i know those warriors will eventually take them at some point in the game turn five or six and i can just ignore them rest for the rest of my line but if i have slaves somewhere they have to go in front of my other units as chaff because they don't have a place anywhere else unless they want to be cute and just do the broodmother trick and have a single horde behind my lines as purely drain life battery yeah, but we have better options for that too on the list, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are better options for a lot of things in the list for the roles that they play. But in certain cases, I think you know, for 115 points, they can do certain things almost as good as other units for a little less. Sure. I mean, I have I have a horde in my list. I think it I think it's good for the role it plays, but it's not it's not what it was previously, right? Yeah, I'm not going to take two or three anymore. Spam the board with them. Yeah. Which was really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Because back when there were 100 points for a horde, mm-hmm. I can yes. afford to put them one in front of every one of my actual shock troop hordes, and then some. Because well, 25 attacks on fives can still put out a couple wounds before they yep. get to the good stuff. Yep, still do something, right? And they used to have the same unit strength as normal infantry hordes, which is another hit in 3rd edition, where they only... The hordes are only unit strength three. That kind of covers off the infantry section. We've got the four main infantry types. We'll form the backbone of most of the Ratkin armies. And now we're going to move on to ranged infantry. So, Corey, do you want to do claw shots? Sure, sure. So I'll handle claw shots. These guys are heavy infantry. You can only take them in troops. Uh, they are speed six, melee five, rat four. And defense five, which is a nice big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have unit strength one, as most troops do. Five attacks, eight ten nerve for ninety five points. Uh, these guys have a thirty six inch long rifle attack with piercing two, and reload. And um, these guys are awesome. <laughs> so for ninety five points, you get a defense five, unit strength one, backfield holder. That puts pressure on the opponent from turn one. Yeah, I'll take that. And I, I love these guys in second edition. I love them even more now. Yeah, I definitely include at least two or three in most lists, if not all lists. You haven't tried the five troops of Claw Shot the army yet? I only have four troops so far painted up. <laughs> yeah, I converted up a bit over 20 of them back in the Skaven days for the good old Giselle Tower trick. Claw yeah, Shots are an excellent unit. They're so good because they're not like a war machine that dies to an individual. I mean, most <laughs> most war machine hunters don't typically kill these guys in one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, defense five is a huge boost. It makes a big difference against all those crushing one individuals or like, you know, harpies or uh, stuff that doesn't even have crushing. It makes a big difference. Absolutely. Definitely. And not to mention having a unit strength of one. Yeah. Yeah, being able to score. And they're still speed six, so last like turn five six, they can double move twelve inches if you position them correctly. 
I've done it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're great for scenarios like fool's gold and anywhere where you're hiding tokens around the board just to be mm-hmm. that threat in the backfield that can sit there yeah. and just wait it out. And then control, you can just like a couple unit strengths to run into a, you know, switch table quarters if you need it. Yep. They also so have they, the, um, the the tech keyword, which at the moment doesn't do anything, but I'm really interested to see if that future. one in particular has something, yeah, something that yeah. allows uh, tech units to have some sort of benefit, um, which would be, be really interesting. Very cool if we get a character who can buff tech units, because I'm looking at the army page right now, and nightmares who might need a little buff are also tech. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not the only ones, really. Mm-hmm. So... We all love claw shots. Yep. Four to five. You can stick them in an army. You pick a nice spot on the board with some line of sight somewhere. Just leave them alone. Take a shot every turn. Make your opponent regret putting their dragon on the flank. That's right. This is the one thing I do like to put a horde of wretches out in front of claw shots because a lot of the threats that you are worried about are much taller than infantry. So you can just kind of plink away in relative safety if you need to. Yeah, I love I love just stacking them up. Like like uh, Nicholas mentioned, you just stack them up right behind each other if you've got mm-hmm. a lot of tall stuff that you want to shoot at, dragons, large calf, titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it just makes it even harder to get through all of them. And usually they don't get to the last one before they're dead. Right. All right, uh, next in ranged infantry, we have scurriers. So I know, Michael, you like scurriers. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I, I use them quite a bit in uh, in second edition uh, in the Dusk Runners formation that they had at the time. Um, so scurriers, uh, I guess one thing we haven't been mentioning um, about certain units, uh, these guys are regular. Um, so the claw shots and the, uh, the wretches as well uh, have been regular. Um, the scurriers are speed six. They are melee 4, range 4, a defensive 3. They can be taken in troops and now in regiments as well. Uh, unit strength 1 as a troop, 2 as a regiment, 8 attacks as a troop, 10 as a regiment, uh, 9, 11 nerve at the troop size, and then a 13, 15 nerve in a regiment. They come with duelist, scout, and vicious, and their ranged attack are Blight throwers, 18-inch uh, ranged shot with steady aim. Uh, no other special rules on the on the uh, ranged attack there. Um, they have the option to take plague pots. And yeah, I um I used the scurriers quite a bit in the last edition. I really really enjoyed them. It's really interesting to see that they have a regiment option now. I think that's probably the only way they're viable because they don't have um they don't have the ability to gain stealthy natively anymore. Um, but having uh, kind of a mid-range shooter, 24-inch uh, threat with steady aim at a rat of 4 is pretty solid. Um, only 10 shots is not great, uh, but Scout is fantastic. Um, yeah, Duelist Scout is a little neat. bit weird, though. <laughs> yeah, a, a regiment with Duelist is kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. 20 on fours with vicious against an individual is definitely nothing to sneeze at. It's just kind of an kind of an odd choice, and it's it's you know it's something that you're paying for on them. I wish it was an option. Mm-hmm. Or if they um, had like nimble or something too, just like something to get get yeah, where they need to go. Sure. Or how about I like Pathfinder? Similarly. 
Yeah, Pathfinder would be cool on these guys, right? Speed 7. I don't know. Just some, they just seem like they're missing. They have a lot of rules, but they seem like they're missing something. I kind of have yeah. a feeling that Scourgers are going to be viable in about between a year and maybe a year and a half to two years when we get formations back, if we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, formation for them would be really great. Um, it is worth noting that they have the same nerve as shock troops. So a regiment, mm-hmm. you can get a regiment up to a 15, 17 nerve, which is... right pretty solid sure. but yeah. why are you keeping them back right behind your lines instead of right. scouting them forward that's, that's the are problem with the scout right so, yeah, but so if you're running the I... demon spawn or mutant rat fiend like they're fast and they're going to be up up far up front so they can get some rally right support in, in second i would i would often run them with uh, the demon spawn and just have them as little stealthy 11 13 troops um usually up one flank together mm-hmm I do yeah, like the me, compromise is... of a blight thrower, so being 18-inch range with steady aim. Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. I and mean, that's an upgrade. That's a straight yeah, upgrade. Yeah, better than 12, default, 12 yeah. inches. By default, they had 12 inches um, in second edition. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, Michael. I think having stealthy native on them would have been the right call for these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather pay for that than duelist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get why they had duelist. It's a, a unit of ninjas running around. So I get it yeah. from a from a fluff perspective. And gameplay, it'll be tough to actually get them into an individual, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, with speed six and no, I guess it's gonna be tricky to trap one. Yeah, I don't have much experience with scurriers, just because I never played that type of army list that would require them. But I mean, they'd be worth trying. But I can tell you from experience from playing abyssals when I do that. Even with Ensnare, Defense 3 is not going to save you. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think you have to be okay with them not being saved. If anybody wants to devote any energy to removing them, they're, they're going to remove them. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, you know, in the previous edition, they had to come at you to do it um, efficiently, whereas now they can get shot off the board. Yeah, because even like the diminished bowmen regi- regiments and stuff will... Put a hurt on them with defense three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a target of opportunity there. So yeah. it's, that's our ranged infantry. Those are our ranged infantry options. Um, next, we have our lone cavalry option, uh, the hack paws. Uh, Nick, do you want to handle those? I'd like to use the phone a friend option for Mark Talks. <laughs> <laughs> So hack paws are speed nine, which is fast, but not super fast. They are melee four, which is decent for rats. Defense four, which is also decent for rats, but both of those are just kind of average in the side of the whole game. They come in troops and regiments, being unit strength one for a troop, which is about what you'd expect, and three for a regiment. Still doing all right there. Between... 8 and 16 attacks, making them average for cavalry, so nothing to really turn down either way. Nerve 9-11 on troops, 12-14 on regiments, which is pretty low, but you can get some reality out there. And then 100 points for a troop and 150 for a regiment. They are nimble and thunderous charge 1, which is pretty standard for the type of cavalry you'll see across the entire game. But they are vicious in melee, and they are Ratkin and Beasts. Now, for Hackpaws, basically what you have here are Brown Furry Goblins, 
and the fact that you're basically what would be considered a light cavalry unit, just being speed 9, melee 4, decent amount of attacks, but you're still only thunderous 1. The vicious does help, but it's alright. At speed 9, you can still be out threat ranged by other cavalry they might see on the flanks of the board across from them, but they are just 100 points for a troop, which is still pretty respectable, in my opinion. Yeah. I just have I a little bit of experience a, with them. They have a role. Yeah, I mean, I think these guys have a role if you're going super fast, aggressive, want playing a playing a type of army that wants to get across the table and needs some good flank protection or some good fast chaff. I do think they have a, a style of play there. Yeah. yeah, I do think the regiments do have one way to play them to make them somewhere closer to being a decent combat unit, which is running at least a couple regiments somewhere within six inches of your demon spawn. Right. To keep their nerve high enough outside of combat before they engage to not just decide that they no longer want to fight anymore before they even start. Like the 911 on the troop is standard chaff nerve, but with all the rally floating around, the 1113 on a defense four chaff is actually pretty good. So they're a bit more survivable than some, especially something like uh, the goblin, like sniffs and su- such. Though the Goblin Sniffs are speed 10 instead of 9, if I remember correctly. That is true. Goblins, yeah, the the Goblin version is is speed 10 instead of 9, but they have 14 attacks instead of 16, at at least regiment size, and and don't have as easy access to Rally. Um, I think that Hackpaws are fantastic. I played them a little bit in 2nd edition, the biggest the biggest problem for them was the defensive three, and so getting that defense four is is huge. Um, not to mention that they also got buffed by the changes to hill rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have one of these coming off a hill um, into something, which it's not unreasonable to to think that they have a pretty solid chance at getting flanks on stuff with the speed nine nimble, and that's that's really really strong. Um, Thunder two vicious, and I mean you're playing rats, you probably brought Bane Chan. Um, so they can they can really surprise people and, and crack a lot of things that you wouldn't expect them to. Um, I had a list going in second that ran, I think, four regiments of them. I just didn't get around to finishing the modeling uh, of them. It was going to be a um, <laughs> it was going to be a, a, a Mad Max kind of Fury Road Wasteland um, rat list that I was calling uh, Furry Road. Nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was uh, a lot of tunnel runners and uh, hack paws. Um, what were you using as your hack paw models? Um, so what I had going was um, the old uh, what are they called? Doom flares. Okay. From, uh, oh yeah. From, from yeah. GW, I had um, a metal one of those, and I um, I cast a bunch of copies of the the wheel, um, mm-hmm. and then I was going to put um, Veerman on them. Um, nice. just the regular veerman with the gas masks and everything um uh, yeah i just it was one that i just didn't end up getting finished um it's a you good know, idea around, around to play it. i like that i like that idea yeah i think that's probably the biggest thing that holds people back from taking them is that um there's models. really not great models for them right yeah, so you're yeah, you're coming sure. up with something you're, you're yeah. modeling it yourself i've modeled up like a troop or two using the old plastic uh chaos warhounds with store the plastic storm vermin like I just carve out the 
the robe, and they they make decent cavalry riders. Oh, nice. Yeah, it uh, worked out pretty well. Yeah, I just feel that you have to really build your army around having hackpaws in them mm-hmm. in comparison to just paying 145 for a horde of warriors, which would synergize a bit better with the typical list. I, I kind of feel the opposite, um, especially if you're taking Skudku, the, the demon. Skudku is a Luke. Um, I mean, he can, him, he can hang out with a regiment of hackpaws all day long, and 150 points, you can just drop in a regiment into any list. You, you, it never hurts you to have a speed nine nimble um, cavalry unit, and the regiment of hackpaws has the same unit strength as a horde of warriors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's the thing. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not irregular either, so it unlocks. Mm-hmm. That's a big point uh, with the regiment. I think to your point, like you just need to have it in part of your plan, like have a supporting element like everything in the racking list has to play along with others in a, in a way you got to have the rally support and scud is a perfect you know foil or friend for these guys to kind of make them work because inspiring yeah. with rally too is just it's huge and we have night terrors too right mm-hmm. yeah but why not support a real combat unit well you could just throw in a unit of tunnel runners in there too all right Furry we're, Road. We're writing a list now. Furry exactly. Road. I like, That's what I'm saying, there. you know. Mad yeah. Rats. Furry Road. Mm-hmm. Or just a battle group. I think, you know, I think it's a good idea. Or a good unit to run. So that's our cavalry option, which is generally pretty good. Not heavy cavalry, but I think, you know, there's lots of different ways to use it. Uh, next, we have large infantry. So... From going from second to third edition, we lost brutes. We kept nightmares though. So nightmares are large infantry, speed six, melee four, range four, and defense five, which is a little abnormal for rats, which that's a big deal. Uh, the regiment has unit strength two, horde has unit strength three. They have nine and 18 ret- attacks respectively, 11, 13, and 14, 16 nerve. And then their regiment's 140 points, and the horde is 235. They got a bunch of special rules, uh, crushing strength one, and the horde is rally one. They are vicious in melee, and they have blight cannons, which are 12-inch range, steady aim. And they have the keywords abomination and tech. So they're kind of like boomers, but not really. They don't have uh, piercing, but they are a little better in combat with the vicious. Yeah, a little better. Not a lot. No, a little. (laughs) So defense five is actually an interesting point of difference for these guys, because I think other than tunnel runners, there's not much defense five in the list for combat units. Yeah, core core defense five is is pretty big. I, I just think that they are kind of uh, jack of all trades, master none kind of unit. They are too expensive. They're too expensive. I would love to have a version of these that didn't have the ranged attack, and you can upgrade them to the ranged attack for you know x amount of points. Yes, I love. I ran two hordes of brutes for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed them for 185 points. They're just like that value pick. Yeah, yeah, 
And you could have, they yeah. could have easily been consolidated into one entry and just made the ranged attack optional. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I prefer that to change the range attack. I'd rather have an 18 inch range without steady aim to really differentiate them from being just ogre brutes with fur or being ogre boomers with fur. I think that the differentiation is that they're tankier. They have that defensive five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again with the rally, they're usually 16, 18. I mean, they're, they're, they're tough to shift. They are. And that actually came up quite a bit whenever I've used them. But also something else that people don't think about is that being a large infantry horde, they fit in a lot smaller spaces than the rest of your army does. Yep. I felt yeah. that overall there is to when terrain is put near the edge of the board, but not covering it completely. It's kind of hard for Rackin to plug all those gaps when you have a lot of bigger units that want to be somewhere else with your Rat Fiends or your Demon, but Nightmares can sit over in those spaces near impossible, impassable terrain and just sort of fight from those positions a lot better than the rest of the units. Mm-hmm. And I think it's with the Horde, you get Rally and... With the shooting, they're a, a lot like a unit you can have in the second line, and you're not missing out entirely on their contribution. So they can still add a little killing power and rally support. The the rally support though is the thing the, which which you know in a lot of armies, large infantry footprint is just objectively preferable to an infantry footprint in a, a horde size comparison. But a smaller footprint on a more expensive unit, as when you need you know x amount of rally units or, or X yeah. number of inches of rally coverage. Um, that's that is another downside of them to have a smaller rallying unit. That's a fair point. I would say that you can count on getting off a single shot during the game before they start fighting as an ogre warrior regiment for the rest of it. Yeah, that's where that's where Michael's comment comes back. Is like I'd rather not have the option to not have the shooting attack. Yeah, the maneuverable footprint is nice, but yeah, you're paying a lot for it. Also, I would say that they are very fairly pointed. You get exact whatever formula that Mantic is using, they are right <laughs> on that average. For 235, they fight about as well as Ogres with Vicious. And for those 18 attacks, the melee and range, four up either way, they're probably worth exactly how many points they are, which makes me not like them quite as much as I could. Right. If, if they were a little bit playing more rats, inspired. I want something cheaper. Yeah, it's just they're yeah they're the, one of the most they're probably the most expensive horde option I think. So before upgrades. Yeah. In a list that's based around value, they do not have it. Yeah, and I think I think that's a theme with the list changing from second to third is that previously you were getting troops and units on the cheap because they were a little worse or supremely average and now yeah. you're kind of paying the premium for them to be good to decent right mm-hmm. well not just that you're paying basically a tax for having brood mothers in your list also true yeah well yeah that's the that, that defense five comes into play when you're backing it up with extra heal and radiance mm-hmm. of life that comes that's bigger and it did come up in my games quite a bit having that extra healing with the nerve of being 18 but at the same point I'm still not exactly sure what I would replace them with, even though I know I should replace them with something. <laughs> right. Yeah. What else would go in the list, right? Right. Oh, and just having less buffs to range as well. 
There's no more piercing artifact. Yeah. And. Yeah, in second edition, you can give them the piercing artifact, and he gives the other one the elite artifact, run two hordes, and it's like they're a little more efficient damage output. Right. And I did actually try to make a list based around them, but just hitting on fords with cover just doesn't do enough damage with no piercing. I tried to copy another army style where I had, which you've probably seen before, possibly, where I had four or five nightmare hordes right behind, four or five hordes of slaves. Yep. But I just couldn't get that to work. It's just not quite lethal enough. All right, so that's our large infantry uh, choice, which is collective meh. Next, we're going to move on to swarms, which are probably somewhat improved Vermintide. Uh, How about you do that, Corey? All right, yes. So Vermintide, again, irregular swarms. Speed 6, melee 5, defense 3. And so you can take a regiment, a horde, and I think we are probably the only army that can take a legion of swarms. Um, all three sizes are unit strength one. And so the regiment has nine attacks with a 9-11 nerve, 65 points. Uh, the horde has 18 attacks, 12-14 nerve with 110 points. And the legion has a hefty 36 attacks, 1921 nerve at 195 points. Uh, and the special rules we've got are nimble, vicious in melee and Wild Charge D3, and they have the Beast, Expendable, and Vermin uh, keywords. Now, I I really like these guys, and there's one thing that's missing. I would love to take a Legion, but spending that many points for a unit strength one swarm kind of stinks. And I would, I would jump all over a Legion, even if it were unit strength two, just to give me a little something more there. So that was kind of... A miss, I think. It's kind of disappointing because I love the idea of taking a nimble swarm legion running around out there with 36 vicious attacks, even if they are hitting on fives. These, yeah, the the vermintide. So a couple units that we've gone over already: the hackpaws, the vermintide, and then I'd say probably the mutant rat fiend. Whenever we get there, are are just most improved um, units in in the army. I love the vermintide so much i've been running when i was running when i was playing in the um playtesting i was running a list that ran eight units of the vermintide um, including five hordes um the most recent list that i've been running is down to seven units of them but they are they're fantastic um the addition of wild charge is massive especially when you're running that many units having the uh threat projection of 15 inches on a nimble cheap unit even if they only hit on fives um with including the vicious they can actually surprise you and kill some things especially in those numbers um i've had games where i have run them all just in a conga line down the flank and stopped a strong flank just from sheer number of bodies or turned a strong flank away because they didn't want to deal with it um i've had games where i've spread them out across the board and they are getting flanks on stuff that my opponents think is not even being threatened by a particular unit of vermintide they are fantastic they're so much fun to play with too and i love the idea of taking a just a single swarm regiment and hiding it behind all your units just for the brood moms to start channeling drain life through and yeah just the blood bank right and just so so much harder to see back there hidden behind all your troops mm-hmm. uh, i love that deal yeah i really i really rate these guys pretty highly for what they've got and to that point like when you have them behind there 
you can just when they're you know full of wounds and all you know devastated you still can run them out in front of your shock troops to prevent like a double charge or block up a charge it's they're great for that too that nimble we get to move at the double with the pivot is i think is really really great for chaff yeah, and building on that point, what people don't realize is just how how much space a legion can take up with their charge distances mm-hmm. with the third edition charge measuring from the corners instead. That legion is huge. With speed six plus D three from the wild charge, you can just take a huge threat range. I think but... that's a good good point for a lot of things in the army. Like having speed six across the board and a lot of infantry hordes means you get to cover a lot. With your new with the new charge rules. Yeah, I would definitely rate the regiment as the best choice out of all three of those for the Vermintide. Also the regiment with speed six, they're the exact right size to if you have them in front of one of your hordes, to turn 180 degrees and walk through your unit to unblock yourself from a charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something that re- warrior regiments cannot do. <laughs> yep. And your opponent won't always see it. Yeah. Very true. So, I'm still not sure about the Horde, though, or the Legion, to make it into my list. I really want to make a Legion work. They just look so fun <laughs> to see on the table. It'd be Yeah, it would be fun to, uh, to just, in some pickup games, try them out. But 195 for a single point of unit strength is just steep. And that's where awesome. it falls down for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when our wretches and warriors are have discounted unit strength as well, you kind of you would need to get it where you can get it these days. Yep. Also, something else to consider with the legion, with that large of a base, that'll have excellent opportunities for conversion for your hobby. Just think about it. You know, there's tons of different options you can have. Let's say you have some big sewer grates and have a ton of rats spilling out of them, or it's the same way, like have some critter which is currently being eaten by a ton of rats yeah. and rats pour over them or just more rats like you know pouring over the front line of something a horde of men in a shield wall you can start winning the battle or the tournament in fact before you start to play by just having some really good ideas that you can put it on there that's a good point get a lot of lot of real estate for conversions and uh, scenic basing so next up we have chariots, which uh, our tunnel runners have been moved or reclassified as. All right. The tunnel runners are speed eight, melee four, defense five. You can take them in a troop, which is now the uh, the chariot troop of the uh, 100 by 100. So two two chariot bases. Uh, unit strength one, 16 attacks, and a 12-14 nerve. They can also be taken in a chariot regiment. Unit strength of two, 24 attacks. No 14, 16 nerve. They are crushing one and thunder one. No keywords that matter at the moment, but they do have that tech keyword. I think these are. I think these are good. I think these are good. I do. It it hurts them that they no longer have rally. Um, it hurts them quite a bit that they don't have rally. But right. in, in the right type of list, they can be pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that loss of rally was a big blow to running like multiples of them. I went from running two last year for almost all of last year to just one in my current list. And it, it still does great work in the and the regiment 
magic item discount is great for them, especially if you want to give them sharpness. Sure is, actually. That's a big deal, right? And the fact so, that they're chariots and not large calves, too, so not affected by phalanx as much. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And uh, and I think, again, they're the other mainline unit that has defense five, which combined with the broodmother is a big deal. So I think overall they're quite good. I don't, they're better in some ways with like the magic item difference or discount. And uh, like you're talking about the phalanx, but losing rally does hurt. I to, like, I used to like, I really like running two at the same time, but. I don't know if that's as viable now without Rally. Mm. I would say that they suffer from a lot of the same problems that Nightmares do. I feel that they're a very fair, a fair-pointed unit. They're not particularly powerful or weak. So, you know, they have 24 attacks, but they only hit on fours to begin with. They're a bit lower. They're a point lower on nerve on average, unless you get them inside of Rallying. And they are speed 8, so they're average for cavalry as well. But they will be outranged by several units out there. I think that um, an, an interesting thing to to note about them, though, is um, they have access to one of the new footprints that, um, that troop size is interesting to play around with. I played one game where I ran two troops of them. wasn't really enough to get a feel for what they could do, but I had one with... Um, I invested in them. I had one with uh, the Wine of Elvenkind and then one with the Brew of Sharpness, just kind of to see what I could do with that uh, with that little footprint. They didn't do a whole lot in that game, but I don't know that one game is really a great test. Um, I would like to try that out some more. Yeah, yeah I've played a few people that use that same footprint. and I think you played against Kyle Poole, right, Alex? Yeah, I was going to say, I played against Mincer, Mincer Mob Troops, and they're fearless, which is a little bit of an advantage, but these are faster. Uh, I think the square base is very interesting and 16 attacks is very good especially when you're you will get a corkscrew at some point you'll get a flank they'd be a lot more interesting if they had nimble to go with it to yeah. really make use of that square base yeah but with an with a nimble item they're still not even that expensive puts them up to their the same points as a regiment though at 210 yeah yeah regiment with brew sharpness is 24 attacks hitting on threes with crushing two on the charge and that it's one of the more reliable damage output units you'll have in the list because you don't need bane chance support that's kind of sad though i don't want to say good luck but as running them with success especially if you go put the mutant rat fiend and demon spawn on that flank you can have a nice quick uh fast flanking force oh, Demon strength is one for a troop and two for a regiment which is kind of interesting Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that's a too big of a weakness for them, or what you would be using them for. Yeah, it'd be nice if the unit strength for the regiment was a little bit higher, but to match cavalry regiments. Or, but well, I feel that if it's you and another cavalry regiment fighting over an objective, either you're going to be alive at the end, or they will. It won't be both of you. True enough. All right, so those are our, the last of the main uh, units. Now we're going to move on to war engines. We have two options here. Uh, Nick, do you want to cover the weapon team? Yeah, I'll take the good one. <laughs> <laughs> so weapon teams, they are still rats, so they are speed six. They don't have a melee attack. They have a range of four and a defense of five, which is pretty interesting. They only come by themselves, 
and they have 10 shots at 12 inches with piercing one and steady aim. They are still nimble, which is excellent. They're a nerve 810, which will go up by two points because you're going to be keeping them right next to your line. And they are 85 points. So for war and for weapon teams, I still rate them really highly. They were great in second edition, and they're great in this edition too. Your list won't get any worse if you stick in two or three of them, bead six and nimble so they can keep up with your lines. They can stay right behind your hordes and then walk through them with speed six, which makes them excellent at both chaff and using your offense. They just started with piercing one now, which they might as well have to begin with back in the old ways. True enough. Since yeah. everyone everyone gave them the upgrade. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, they are a tech unit as well. If that matters in the future at some point, we can come back and reference this. But still, 10 attacks, 4 is a hit against just about everything. Piercing 1, there's nothing to not like there. And defense 5. Yep. yep. Yeah, getting that buff for 5 points. Like, I know there are no more breath weapons, so it's a, you know you, there are more modifiers for the to hit. But the defense 5, I think, will make a big difference, especially when you use it to throw them out in front of a unit to block something, or when that you know three attack character gets behind your your line and actually gets a shot at them. And both of those scenarios will happen just about every game you take them in. Yep. And they're still a great unit. Exactly. Yes, they are. They get in the way, you know. You can run them slightly ahead of your lines, because you don't mind. If they get one shot off and then get charged, they've done their job. If they can get two shots off, then you're on a big advantage at that point. Yeah, having two or three of them get two volleys off will a huge effect on a game. I think I ran three of them quite frequently last year. I haven't my current list does not use them, but they're definitely definitely still very good. Now they're still the they're still the greatest deterrent that we've got for probably our biggest weaknesses, which is a flyer getting in the backfield, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. they Absolutely. still do that job just as good as they always have. Mm-hmm. Still, still a deterrent, and even more important, I think now that the enforcer has changed from being a individual cav model yes. to what it is now, the one less counter we have to flyers. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you combine these with a few claw shots, you put a few wounds on that dragon before it gets to behind your line, and now taking a uh, twenty or thirty shots is even less appealing for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was going to mention that later on when we do army composition. They do combo up really well. I think I think we've kind of already hinted on this a little bit already, but the list build kind of just, there's a lot of synergies within the list itself. Right. It kind of pushes it's, you towards a certain style. It definitely does. And it's a good style. for. <laughs> it, it works, baby. It works. Yeah. So the other war engine for the Nick, Nick's point was <laughs> is not quite as good, not as quite a glowing review, but uh, it's a little better than it was in the previous edition. It is abnormally speed five, uh, range five, defense five, uh, has three attacks, eight ten nerve, and is ninety points. And for those ninety points, you get forty eight inch range, blast D three, ignores cover, piercing one. Reload and Shattering. Uh, it's also Ratkin and Tech. It's kind of like a Giselle unit, but not quite. 
It's a little longer range and ignores cover, but it doesn't. It hits on fives instead of fours, piercing one and shattering instead of piercing two. So I don't think it compares that favorably to a claw shot. Yeah, I struggle to find any 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 way that it is a better option. One out of five takes more claw shots. Use your yep. war engine slots on weapon teams. Yep, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I can't see it unless you have a lot of warp lightning cannons that you really want to use. I'm sure yeah, everybody would... does. <laughs> well, that's actually the point I was going to make is that if you want to run shredders, the reason why you would do so is because you want to patronize Mantic. You'd like to get a couple more of their vermin units mm-hmm. and physic them in your army. Yeah, some of those vermin artillery piece units. They don't look yeah. too bad. Funnels yeah, out, they, right? I think the, it's a good line of miniatures, but yeah, I think claw shots on the table are going to be better almost in every situation. Yeah, better speed, better range, even unit just, strength. Yeah, unit strength. <laughs> yeah, they ignore ignores cover doesn't matter if you're hitting on fives versus fours. So correct. All right, moving on. <laughs> Monsters, <laughs> everyone's favorite, or not quite. <laughs> well, not quite there yet. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> we have the shredder uh, of the monster slot. <laughs> so we have uh, we have two new death well two death engine options that are now split into two separate units. So uh, Corey, do you want to take the first one? Sure, I will take the impaler. So this is the close combat version of the death engine from edition. Uh, it's a speed eight monster chariot with melee four and defense five. Uh, unit strength one, D6 plus seven attacks that they both have. They both are fearless 16 nerve. And the impaler is 180 points with crushing two and vicious. Um, yeah, I don't see why I would take this over all the other options in the army. It doesn't give me anything. It doesn't synergize well with anything else in the army so i would probably just take a rat fiend over this 100 percent of the time i concur yeah it's i mean it's pretty much just objectively outclassed by the mutant rat fiend i think you only take impalers if you already have three mutant rat fiends uh, yeah i wouldn't go that far so what you <laughs> want to do here is you want to get your rat you want to get your uncharted empires book open it to that page you want to scan it in then print out an extra copy of that page. You're then going to get a pair of scissors. You're going to cut out the entry for the Death Engine Spewer, and then you're going to glue it on top of the entry for the Death Engine Impaler, because the Death Engine Spewer just kind of outclasses the Impaler for the second edition in a row and several updates for another time. You just trade in one crushing and one vicious for a shooting attack. That's much better. Yeah. Yeah. Two speed. The speed and defense is a thing, but then it's it's not enough. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's just not enough. I wish, what I wish for the impaler to have make it made it a viable option, um, because it, like it doesn't really compare directly with the spewer. It it's just loses out to the meat and rat fiend. I think that I would take this at two hundred or two ten with nimble. Then it would be then it would be usable. Sure. Um, a nimble, like nimble charge. It's always fun, right? Or add wild charge. Like it's like a crazy machine, so it's got like a turbo yeah, boost mode. Yeah. But the impaler needs to be crazier. We have the mutant rat fiend for something nice. You know, it does exactly what it looks like it does. And a death engine impaler has the exact same points where it's just a big chariot. It'll move up and fight hard. Well, 
it'll fight mediocre, but right. it just doesn't. It's just not an interesting unit to me. And being a chariot, it has that really wide flank as well. And you're going to have to put it either on the very edge of the board or somewhere in between your lines, which will make that longer base a bit harder to maneuver between all of that. And it's melee four for some reason. So if it does hit, let's say you get, you know, an average between 10 and 11 attacks on average. That's five or six hits. At crushing two, that's not exactly what I would consider an impressive close combat shock troop. Yeah, it just doesn't really seem to have a great role, especially relative to the other options. And the other one of the other options is the Death Engine Spewer, which is a monster chariot, which is speed six as opposed to eight, melee four, range four, defense four, uh, one unit strength, D6 plus seven attacks, dash 16, 200 points. But you get crushing one and an 18-inch piercing two shooting attack from the Rattle Cannon. This is a bit more of an all-around support piece. The Death Engines lost Rally going from version 2 to version 3, which, again, I think puts the Mutant Rat Fiend up ahead of them as it gained Rallying, as we'll find out next. I just it's, The Death Engine Spear seems like something you'd want behind your lines or in the midst, but it's not going to be supporting your infantry units the same way as the old death engine was well it'll support them by killing whatever's in front of them like it did before that's true since it does what the impaler does from 18 inches and being height five being able to see over your units not care about them it's another reason why the impaler is not a great option and let's say you know a flying infantry character gets behind your lines and decides to hit it so it stops shooting at them. It turns around, still fights at melee four with crushing one, with the same number of attacks. There's been multiple times where I've seen it beat to death, something that's gotten behind my lines, like a troop of gargoyles or something. I've always been a pretty big fan of Death Engine Spewers, ever since the very beginning. Back at the first Lone Wolf tournament after 2nd edition for Kings of War, Took three death engines with shooting attacks, and that was pretty fun. I've even tried the same tactic back in 3rd edition with one of my lists with three death engine spewers, and they still performed pretty well, and I've had it played against me at the same point. When you're putting out that much firepower, it really does feel really good when you can just point at an enemy unit that gets close and just take it off the board. The defense for... Uh is not as much a liability in third edition either with the lack of, there's a lot less shooting like other than war engines they're gonna ignore defense five just as well as defense force and that it doesn't make as much a difference but uh there's a lot fewer elven archers and the ones that are around don't shoot nearly as well so i think right. that was always the weakness right you would shoot it off the board if you could yeah because it's right. high five it doesn't get cover when it's shooting at things but things don't get penalties when they shoot at it either so there's a lot of times where you're getting in range and then you know oh it's dead because like dash 18 pretty tough but like one good round of shooting can take it off not so i don't think that that situation is will be as common in third edition i like the spewer i it, it seems to me like it's the type of unit that that would have gotten steady aim in this edition Compared mm-hmm. to just some similar things from from second, um, so I'm kind of disappointed that it has that it doesn't have that. My issue with it is that it's I, I'd say probably I'd say that it's the third best monster slot option when you include the tangle, mm-hmm. and I just never 
and I never find a way to put it in a list because I'm taking mutant rat fiends in the tangle. But I, I think you know if you want to use it, it'll it'll work just fine. I think it's very viable. Yeah, it's not it's not a handicap. It's a type of unit that you have to build your army around, but it really it works well in a synergy when you have multiple of them, along with units like claw shots and weapon teams all working to play that style of army. Yep. Where you you move up to the middle of the board and you kill anything that comes closer to you. Yep. And I think with the broodmother grind options the stuff that's in front of all that shooting has a easier time staying alive now Mm -hmm. michael do you want to take on our titan oh yes yes i do this is the mutant rat fiend is like my baby (laughs) it's my it's my i would say that it's the most improved unit in the list it may be the most improved unit from second to third just off the top of my head in kings in general it's just, it's in a different class than it was previously. So Mutant Rat Fiend is a Titan, speed 7, it is melee 3, defense 4, unit strength 1, of course. It has 10 attacks, and it's a dash 18 nerve. Special rules, it is crushing strength 2. It has radiance of life for vermin only, which are Mutant Rat Fiends and Vermintide, I think, are it. That's correct. It is rally 1. It has a 5 upper generate. Strider and Vicious in Melee. Let's see, where to, where to start? You start with, it has all the rules that you want. It has, yeah, it has everything it's perfect. that you want. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. It's probably going to be the ugliest thing in the army, but it's also probably the most beautiful. The rally, getting the rally shifted over from the Death Engine to the Mutant Rat Fiend is what really kind of puts this one well above the Death Engines to me. Previously, in, in second edition, when the... The Death Engine had Rally, and the Mutant Rat Fiend did not. If you if you just move that rule from the Mutant Rat Fiend over to the Death Engines right now, as the things are, I'd say they're probably pretty even. Because the Mutant Rat Fiend got improved in so many other areas as well. With the Rally, it's a no-brainer to me. Uh, what I think is kind of the, the strongest thing in the, the meta right now is multiple sources of wound regeneration and then waiver mitigation. And the Mutant Rat Fiend has both. Being fearless, of course being high nerve, and then having the regeneration as well as Radiance of Life, which Radiance mm-hmm. of Life will work on itself. Mm-hmm. And Radiance of Life happens at the end of your move, which means it's after you've rolled your regeneration. So you yep. get that extra die. You don't you don't lose a die that you're rolling on the regenerate. You roll that regeneration, then you get to move, then you, then you heal one. Um, so you can't really do one or two wounds to a mutant rat fiend and expect to kill it over time. And their nerve is generally going to be high enough with the rally at a dash 20 that even at a defense of four, it's hard to do enough wounds to them to where their own healing engine is not going to keep them alive. Yeah. They're they're great and on top of that they have the uh the three on melee which um, yeah, really really yeah. helps that was something and vicious <laughs> yeah on. yeah yeah three up with vicious and, and strider just consistent damage output yeah when we were doing the um the play testing i remember talking to um to to matt james about just kind of the list in general and one of the things that he wanted to do was um just to make the, the rat army more viable as a fighting army as a melee army Success. I was uh, yeah what I was what I was kind of mm-hmm. telling him was that the thing that it missed was melee 3 it just it, there was just no melee 3 anywhere aside from the demon spawn and he said what about putting it on the mutant rat fiend and I just my eyes lit up and I was mm-hmm. like yeah that's that's exactly that's that's fantastic so um I don't leave home without two mutant rat fiends I don't and I would say that mutant rat fiend is the first unit I would rate as a 5 out of 5 if you decided to take an army based around three mutant rat fiends just run them straight forward I don't think that'd be a weakness and they'd all rally each other that'd be awesome yeah, just three, three in a row would be 20. three dash twenty with no other support. Nothing's getting through that. Yeah, ugh, 
I love it. Yeah, the single weakness is that defense four, and I have had units be able to blow through it completely in a single turn. But the investment. Mm-hmm. The investment yeah. to do that. And right. hopefully they put themselves in a position where you can make them pay mm-hmm. if they have to invest that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes. You get what you can take. Mm-hmm. But it really... Yeah, the Mutant Rat Fiend is another unit where you can really feel the overall arching playstyle of the Ratkin inside of that unit where it has decent damage, but there's a lot of sustainability. And they have had a Mutant Rat Fiend go up like, you know, it takes eight wounds in one turn... When it goes back down to three or four, then it takes eight units, eight wounds in the next turn, and it goes back down to four or five. They're very durable, and it's like often to the surprise of your opponent, like they don't realize that doing nine wounds won't be enough because it won't, none of it will stick. Right, right, because defense four is not a problem, but it's the high nerve, and then everything else that comes after it. Mm-hmm. And then the dash eighteen without rally, everyone's like, what? when it's all rallied up to dash 20 that's just it's perfect it's like a nice it's like a battle line hub Mm -hmm. like nick was saying like the synergies just kind of you know coalesce around the mutant rat fiend i think a lot of times in my games i have the two in the list and i think people kind of expect them to be on either side of center so kind of like uh you know a third of the way into the board on either side just kind Mm -hmm. of um, little hubs like that sometimes i will do that it's also really really great to just put two of them right next to each other on a flank or mm-hmm. or right in the center of the board and just you can see the wheels turn in your opponent's head like wait now i have to figure out how to get through this and, and usually you just can't mm-hmm. and, and again, push like, them right down someone's throat and then they get the square base and then mm-hmm. flanks open up and they're great support for a tunnel runner regiment a regiment of warriors a tunnel runner regiment and one of these guys and that's a really good battle group mm-hmm you can you can run them up to a wall, just have them sit in front of an obstacle, and now like you can't even effectively get up into his face, but it can come across the wall just fine with the strider. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're just they're just great. Yeah, that Jack. happened with me turn turn one of the first game of Masters, and overall great unit. Find well done, a good model for it. <laughs> Jack of right. all trades, master of all trades. <laughs> yeah, that's, except surviving. That's it. A plus. Great job. So that wraps up our monsters and titans, and now we're going to go on to our heroes, which we have quite a few of. We've talked about her a lot throughout the cast as the support piece that makes the whole army work, and it's the the brood mother. Five out of five. <laughs> so uh, I think it's uh, your turn, uh, Corey, or is it Nick? Okay. I think it's me. All right. So the brood mother. Broodmother is a large infantry spellcaster level one hero. So she's speed six, melee four, which is great. Um, defense five, unit strength one, five attacks, also great. Uh, she's got a 12 14 nerve, all for 120 points. And then her special rules kick in. <laughs> so she's, she's got crushing strength one, she inspires, she's nimble. She has Radiance of Life for everybody. She comes with the Drain Life 5 spell by default. And then she has Eat the Weak, which you can target any friendly core unit with the expendable keyword. And that doubles your Drain Life value. So it is Drain Life 10. And it does not cause a nerve test when that happens either. And then on top of that, she has the option to take a Blight Staff, which is an 18-inch 
Rat four, piercing one, steady aim, vicious for ranged attacks, uh, for plus twenty points. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, but that vicious unranged also affects your drain life. Correct? I'm. I think that might be for the weapon alone. Or it maybe is, it, it is tied to the weapon. weapon. I think it's rolled into the weapon. So it's we, tied to the weapon. But yeah. I love the blade staff too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she does all of the things that you need her to do and she does them all extremely well she's unit strength one so she's a contester objective holder great for holding loot tokens high defense good nerve when you start getting her rallied she can throw combat she can flank and throw in some decent combat wounds if she need her to she can with the blight staff can project a little bit of force from behind the lines she obviously is great at healing up your units between the Radiance of Life and the Drain Life spell. She does it all. And she inspires, which is something that, you know, you didn't always have a good inspiring source that could do multiple things in the Rackin Army before. And now you yeah, do. That's true. Yep. Another jack of all trades, master of all trades. Yeah. And um, cheap. I mean, 120 points is not a lot of points to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And I find the drain life is just kind of like you don't even have to give her anything because having her nearby with the radiance of life, that's enough like value right there. And then the drain life is like a little extra heal and a bait enchant kind of combined. So you're throwing like two or three extra wounds into a combat, healing those back and like swinging things because you can cast it into combat. She's taller than your shock troops or spear, mm-hmm. spear warriors. And then just uh, scoring. From the hero yeah. slot. Yeah, I used to hate push. Now with Broodmother's push is not <laughs> as big a deal. Yeah. Really, really great unit. It's cheap enough that if you wanted to just go for the the, the toolbox and have the the range shot and the drain life, one forty is not that bad. Yeah. Or give her the trickster's wand or the loot. You know, there's a lot of options here to make her even more useful. Mm-hmm. I mean at I this like point her... you can just bring three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that point cost, yeah, definitely. Although, I will be the dissenting voice. I think eat the weak for the special rule. I think it's a cute trick, but I think it's also just that. I think if I'm going to be casting Drain Life 99% of the time, I'd rather hit the enemy with it than one of my back row units. Yeah, I think... I'd rather I... try to sw- flip the combat, in my opinion, just because I don't think that anything we're going to be fighting with is going to be doing that much damage i think i really feel that i need to drain life to help push combats over the edge in my favor not just keep my units around for possibly another turn i would agree like i think at best of the rest and even just like even in prep for that i would cast eat the week or like use eat the week maybe once a game is almost always to augment a combat or to like just the way you're you're talking about instead of like I, i didn't have I only had Bane Chant on the Tangle, so it was kind of like a pseudo Bane Chant heal for me. Well, the thing is, though, you are arguably not paying for it. It's, yes. It's, at that point cost, it's... it's. I mean, I, I can agree. see that exact stat line without that special rule. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's just devastating. Um, I, I played a game against a, an Ogre list, and um, uh, Grokamok came into one of my, my mutant rat fiends 
And by the end of the combat, I forget what he started with, but he had 18 damage on him at the end. Um, rolled a snake eyes. And then the the mutant rat feeding was just fully healthy the next turn because I had the regen and then the radiance of life. And then I did a neat weak cast at one of my uh, at one of my vermintide, and yeah. the mutant rat fiend was totally healthy. And that's just it's just so demoralizing. Exactly, um, you don't you don't need it, but when it's there, somebody like you said, somebody takes a stunning amount of damage, you just take it off. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, like you have to pick your spots. Like it's not something you're gonna want to do like every turn or all, all every game. But when it when you need when it works, it works. It really works. Yeah, if you're grinding it out with a soul reaver infantry unit. And it's yeah. helpful, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It is not uncommon, too, to have a unit of Vermintide or a unit of Warriors in a position where they are for sure about to die mm-hmm. um, with or without any damage. So it's just an extra benefit if you're not in a position to drain life an enemy to just say, this unit that's that's essentially dead to me, um, I'm going to get some more value out of it before, uh, before it's gone. Exactly. Yep. So a lot of options, and they're all good. We'll go on to our other spellcasting hero, the Warlock. All right, so the uh, the Warlock, everybody everybody knows the Warlock. Uh, speed 6, it is a melee 5, defense 4. Uh, it has a single attack and is a 911 nerve. It's an individual that comes with the Lightning Bolt 5 spell and has uh, a number of spell options. Um, you can mount it on a flea bag, which of course is not a spell, but you can mount it on a flea bag, increasing it to speed uh, speed nine. And then for spell options, bane chant three, heal four, hex two, and then veil of shadows two, uh, which is a one of spell. Um, all of those are are purchasable options. Um, I think it's just the tried and true warlock, uh, still as good as ever. Veil of shadows has particular value in this. Day and age of war machines. That is true, and I and I do mention I do remember seeing um, I can't recall who it was that was talking about it on one of the the Ratbook, Rat, Ratkin, uh, Facebook pages, but um, Veil of Shadows plus the item that um, buffs the I, range of your aura. Yeah, that is Joey Greek. Joey, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Joey. But yeah, nine inch stealthy aura is is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's another unit that you don't want to leave home without. I think Nick, you ran him with heal at Masters, correct? Yeah. Yeah, heal four plus shroud of the saint takes care of an amazing amount of damage. Oh yeah, that's start big getting heal. five heals every turn. It'll add up real fast. But I mean, Very anything he has, you know, barring hex in my opinion. But bane chant, amazing choice. Up to heal seven, amazing choice. Veil of shadows plus Zara, also excellent. Or even just, just base. Yeah, lightning bolt eight, still really really good. Mm-hmm. And he's spellcaster like too, which it sounds like it'll be good in the future. <laughs> yeah, and I like it with um, just any one of those purchased spells, and then the conjurer staff as well. Mm-hmm. Sure, conjurer yeah. staff is good value for any of those, especially if you have like the bane chant. I've been known to fail bane chant three. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I, yeah. Well, wait till you hear about my tangle. Failing Bane, <laughs> Failing Bane Chant 4 is my specialty. Oh, no. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as I, usual, back from the previous edition, is making him inspiring really good, though. Not needed quite as much anymore with the Broodmothers being so prevalent nowadays. But you could do one and one, and they could both be inspiring, and that's your entire battle line almost. So. All right. 
one of your great units for taking care of the enemy's chaff, since you're one of the few units that can reach out and touch people, or just puts a few more wounds on the dragon on the other side. Yeah. Keep them a little bit more honest. Synergize as well with claw shots and weapon teams. And also has the benefit now of um, the buff lightning bolt being able to mm-hmm. deal with stealthy a little bit better. Yep. Speaking of Reaper troops, earlier. All right, so next we have the War Chief. He's a, a little cheaper this edition. Uh, he's speed 6, melee 3, defense 5, uh, 5 attacks, 11, 13 nerve uh, for 85 points. He's got crushing 1, individual, inspiring, and he is mighty. So he's a pretty cheap, mighty individual when you compare him across other armies. And you can give him a flea bag for 35 points, buffing him up to a speed 9 cavalry. I have to mention that we lost the Enforcer, who was the other mounting mounted character option we would have in 2nd edition, which I took quite often. So this is our only option for a mounted fighting character. We also lost individual. We also lost the ability to make him crushing strength 2 with a two-handed weapon. Yeah, that's a I used, that was a big I, I like that option in 2nd edition when I did take the War Chief. So he's he's cheap. Without a mount, he's a little bit cheaper than the Knight Terror, which is our other fast character. When you give him the mount, but he doesn't—he's only crushing one. So, what do people think? I think for 85 points, you get a little bit less than what you pay for with this low-ish nerve for a unit like this. The most, the most prevalent way I've seen people use him is either giving him the ability to fly or putting him on a flea bag and having him try to keep flyers grounded and keep other large combat blocks away from the main line. And for those points, I just feel that you could be spending them on your actual battle line. Right. Mm-hmm. Or in just another unit of claw shots to keep flyers dead instead of grounded. Yeah, I just have a hard time seeing where he fits in. Yeah. You could get a weapon team for his, his price. Without a mount, so... I actually do um, run one in my list. Um, though it is at least at least partially for, for fluff reasons. Um, he's my he's my Volric. Understandable. Um, I do enjoy using him. Um, I, I normally actually run it with the... Um, it, it's more based on just my list's composition as to why. But I run him on the flea bag with the Trickster's Wand. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just kind of poke at... Uh, poke at enemy casters as he as he rides around looking for for opportunities to kind of help out in fights but it is worth noting that he is mighty and that's a little bit that's pretty much the only that is the only mighty individual um that we have access to yeah Um, so being able to do kind of the old school blocking with him is uh is pretty useful yeah and if you give him the trickster's wand he's height three and mobile so you can get a that shot at morgoth or whoever to kind of help I mean, with those i guess <laughs> yeah i will say that that i'll take a kind of aside here to say that i i really wish that hex uh worked on any individual with a spell um with a range spell and the, yeah. the fact that it doesn't work on spellcaster zero seems like a interesting choice it would be nice to be able to cast it on like loot of insatiable darkness uh standard bearers yeah or well yeah, the big I didn't one think about that yeah, the big one in being my my absolute 
most hated character in the game in this edition, um, Ector. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Ector's yeah. a major pain to deal with as a rat. Yeah, he's yeah. very hard to hard to do any damage to. He's a pain to deal with for any any army, any unit. The only unit in the game I think that can really effectively deal with him is uh, Mikhail from the Twilight King. Uh, Soul Reaver Infantry, maybe. Maybe, but in Snare Defense 6. Yeah, that's true. So fours and fours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I would say that he would make an excellent base template for what could be a cool special character we get down the road. Yeah, the the chief, the war chief. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know what I yeah. want to see. And I really would. I actually, I, <laughs> I did, I did. Um, I gotta say, I did take my shot and try to uh, talk somebody into adding Volric in as a as a special character war chief, um, but that that did not happen. Um, but I, I think that this would be a good opportunity to have one of those one of uh, special banners in the in the Rakan army on the war. Yeah, sure. I think war chief with rally would be huge, like because we lost that mm-hmm. in the enforcer, yeah. and he did used to have that. It just seems like it would be thematic. Yeah, that would, yeah that would give you a reason to have a foot war chief, right? Sure. I mean, or even rally too, make him a little bit. Yeah. Make that, 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 that would be an interesting ad for him. Yeah. I mean that's that's kind of perfect for like one of those um, one-off banners where you can't take him out. Just give it a, a, yeah. a one-only rally banner, even a rally two banner. Mm-hmm. I would buy that. Mm-hmm. For if it's like a twenty-point, twenty-five-point upgrade. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see something aligned along to a special character of Radicus, the original rat that started the rebellion against the Abyssal Dwarves. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Think yeah. about it. You know, duelist for being a gladiator in the pit. Defense four, a six yeah. attacks, crush two. That'd be wild charge. Kind of like a berserker, yeah. war chief. There's a, it's a it's a good template. So we'll say that. And yeah. then next we have the swarm crier, which is just our everyday battle standard bear. And not much to say there. You can mount them. You can give them the loot. Tried and, and true. There you go. <laughs> no Three more uh, no more banner of the griffin. So that's sad. Relatively cheap mount, though, compared to, to most mounts, though. That is true. So you can get it mounted up for 70 points, which is pretty good value. Mm-hmm. Sure. Give him the loot or keep him cheap. Mm-hmm. Give him the... Yeah. Yeah. Then next we have the Night Terror, which has changed <laughs> from a large infantry to a hero large cavalry, but still is height 3. So he's speed 9. Melee 3, defense 5, 5 attacks, 12, 14 nerve, uh, crush 2, and nimble. And he's an abomination tech. His cost went up 20 points as well in this edition. So he's not quite the bargain he used to be. Which is unfortunate, because he used to be a great bargain. I ran 2 most of last year. Yeah, so did I. I'm very happy with those guys. I haven't run one yet. In uh, in third edition. Yeah, I think I think that they are um, a little bit uh, kind of toned down from second edition. They they were they were real trouble to deal with for um, for an opposing army in second. I think that the changes to them are are reasonable and they they still are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not overcosted. They're just not a great value. Yeah, <laughs> like they used to be. Yeah, kind that's of the, the biggest. Theme. That's the theme, right? Everything yeah. is kind of not as much of a value as it once was. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, did you did you ran one of these at Masters, right, or no? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. I ran a couple of them last year at larger point games, which it did pretty well. Yeah, the main the main downside to them is 
they are in the hero slot and neither rally nor inspire. Yeah, the loss of the formation and the increase in points cost kind of hurt them a little bit. Yeah, these guys would have been a good monster slot, right? Yeah, yeah, light monster. Certainly. I like that idea. I mean, you just, yeah, just makes him a regular monster instead of a hero. I think they would be a little bit more viable. Yeah, too much competition at the hero slot for them. Yeah, rats have a very competitive hero choices. Absolutely. The Antic model for them is really cool, though. It is. That is true. It's awesome. Yeah, they're great. And like speed and I nimble, you know, five attack crush two character is awesome. If you like if you can fit it in your fit it in your list, like it's it's gonna do some work. Yeah, the model's decently true. cheap as well, so can't complain there. Mm. Not too bad to build either. You can still hide them behind hills, which is nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I believe he's not really worth upgrading with anything either. Nah. Just keep him cheap, mm-hmm. keep him fast. Maybe Find a target and be a missile. Yep. He may or may not live a second turn, but if he does, that's all the much better for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can run him with the hack paws or your tunnel runners kind of as a intermediate disruptor chaff. Yeah, well, you'd want to run him a little bit ways ahead of the hack paws to make up for their speed 9 against faster units such as flying speed 10, like heavy cavalry or... Dragons, or even just speed 10 cavalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the increase in cost of the Brew of Haste also hurt. I ran one with Haste occasionally when they were cheaper, with, and Haste was cheaper. Mm-hmm. That was a nice speed 10 monster. Haste is still pretty good at 20 points, Yeah, but that's for later. So next we have the Brute Enforcer, which is a new option. So The Brute Enforcer... It's a large infantry rat, which means he's still speed 6, but he is melee 3 and defense 5, unit strength 1, which is excellent at his point cost. He's got a measly 3 attacks, but at least he's melee skill 3 and crushing 2 to go with it. Nerve 11, 13, so not too bad there. He is brutal, so if you can get a point in, works a little bit better. He's nimble, which lets him fit through a lot of spaces, which... Might get you a flank charge. He's just a large infantry, so there's a lot of space he can fit into. And he is rallying one. And all that for 75 points. Wow. I didn't really feel that he fit into my list, so I don't have much experience with him. I do think that he is worth trying. And I think that cheap scoring units, 75 points for unit strength one is almost worth it by itself. Whereas... His weakness is that he's a hero, and the Rackin, like we mentioned earlier, have a lot of really good heroes, and not always a lot of slots to take them in. So yeah, yeah I'm kind, I'm kind of put off by his three attacks. I mean, one more would have made him a little a standout. Something. Yeah. It's true, but like 75 points for rallying and is pretty good. Def five, thirteen, fifteen, most of the time. Yeah, he's kind of like a weird chaff support piece flanker mm-hmm. thing. Can kind of do a lot of different things, sort of okay. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of a, a nice way to use him might be um, you kind of mentioned the um, putting three beaten rat fiends in the line and all of them rallying each other, just kind mm-hmm. of a discount mm-hmm. third third fiend, right? So yep. significantly cheaper than taking a third fiend, but you run it with two of them, all of a sudden they all have max rally, 
and he's behind them and can't get targeted. Mm-hmm. Sure, just make him inspiring while you're at it. Yep. 95 points for Rally 1 Inspiring. It's better than the Warlord or War Chief. <laughs> yeah, though. I think the option that most people have taken with him is to combine him with a Swarm Crier and then a couple magic items and putting a Brood Mother on the table. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. It's like after you take your two Brood Mothers, what do you fit into your list? That's the. <laughs> and two Brood Mothers yeah, and at two. least one Warlock. Yeah. Yeah, do I really need another? Scoring individual or scoring large infantry model. Yeah. Some other things. Like initially, I was thinking behind the lines. They would be good slave regiment replacements in some ways because they're cheap and they could act as chaff and support on the way up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I've only given them a shot in a few games, and they they never stay in the list. Yeah, it's it's the three attacks. Yeah. Is it three attacks? Yeah. Four attacks, just, you're talking eight on the flank, and then they are helping. Yeah, exactly. Too, too much was, of a... If it was four attacks, I'd be better. I'd be more motivated to take them at Even four if it's like attacks. four points yeah. or 80 points. Like, if you had to yeah. pay for them, that Four attacks at 80 points would be pretty fair, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Almost there. Michael Reed, the master scurrier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The... The Master Scurrier, uh, Infantry Hero, Speed 7, Melee 3, Ranged 4, Defense 4. It has 4 attacks, a 10-12 nerve, and a bucket of special rules. It has Crushing Spank 1, the Duelist, uh, Individual of course, Scout, Stealthy, Vicious, which is just General Vicious, and then a uh, Blight Pistol, so a 12-inch range with Piercing 1. Um, yeah, this guy, this guy is so good. Um, I, I, again, I ran him in the formation as he was as the assassin in the previous version. Um, one of my favorite things about it was giving it the wings of honey maze. I still do that now, but, um, kind of the big thing you get out of that is a top of turn one charge. You don't need that anymore. Um, at speed seven, he's got a, an effective 28, 28 inch threat from, um, from deployment, um, which is just fantastic um again i still give him the wings just because it just makes him more versatile also i have a modeled rat who's jumping off of something really high like batman um so um (laughs) i just i just have to give him the wings um but yeah i'm actually i'm still using one of these in my list along with that uh mounted war chief um i really like them a lot yeah i agree i actually have the same guy mount or the wings with the uh the master scurrier in there He's a he's a turn one threat. He gets out of the backfield even if he's not charging something. He's shooting at something. Yep. So he fills a lot of roles. He's gonna kill those war machines pretty quickly. Um, any wizard sitting back there, even even somewhat hardier wizards because of duelist, he's gonna get them. You know. <laughs> so you can't ignore him. Yeah, I think I think he does a lot of neat stuff, and he's a he's an early threat for an army that usually wants to play fairly defensively, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with the wings, you get you can mitigate the 12-inch range on the shooting attack. So you can get a little closer, get into a position where you can shoot without getting shot or countercharged. Right. And for him, defense 3 to defense 4 is not a big deal. Yeah. He's got Ensnare uh, Stealthy kind of helping him out. So Yeah, another another viable item option, too, is the, um, the Boots Levitation. Sure. Yeah, to just run at 14 and take that shot. 
Yeah, that's even better for the shooting. Yeah, I like this guy. He's a he's a good one in my list too. I was always annoyed that the Kin Twilight Kin Assassin had Speed Seven and ours didn't. Right, right. I was just like, why? they're the same unit. They cost the same, <laughs> but ours is slower for some reason. It's funny. I um, so I'm working on um some more some more fluff, and I'm I'm kind of uh I'm kind of trying to flesh out the scurrier kind of clan right for the Ratkin, um, and I do have um kind of some interesting. Uh, I've got a, like a little story that's going with a um a scurrier and a twilight and assassin that are kind of become pseudo rivals. Um, yeah, nice. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I ninja rats, like what's not to love yeah, the 95 exactly. points for the most part. Well, it's, it's cheaper. I mean, they're cheaper than they were before. Yeah, true. But humans get assassins for 80 points, even though they don't get scout. That's, that's massive. That's the deal. 15, right? 15 is, points for scout is a steal. That's the killer app right there is getting out front. That's what assassins <laughs> should do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Get up there and be annoying from turn one on. They're the last things that I have have to paint for my rats. I have quite mm. a few, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like the idea of having one or two. I think t- running two seems like a neat idea as like a little kill team. Mm-hmm. Now we're on to our final three unique units. So we have the Tangle, Mother Kryza, and Scud the Bud. Who's the Luke? Scud the Bud. <laughs> Everyone's best friend. Cool unit here. So the Tangle is a Titan, Spellcaster 0, but only height 3, speed 5, melee 4, defense 4, uh, unit strength 1 with 9 attacks, and fearless 14, which is almost always going to be 16, for 160 points. So he's got Aura Fury, which is pretty awesome. Uh, inspires, Nimble, and Rallying 1. He's got Regen 6 and a Vicious Melee. And then the Tangle special rule for each friendly core infantry regiment or infantry horde or infantry legion or unit with the vermin keyword within six inches, increase the amount of dice rolled for its Bane Chant, Fireball, Mind Fog, and Weakness by one to a maximum of plus three. And it's got a max base size of 75 by 75. Um, the Bane Chant 1 spell, Fireball 10, Mind Fog 1, and Weakness 1. Now, I have yet to use the Tangle in the new in the new edition. Oh so I don't goodness. have a whole lot of experience with it yet. Are it's, you in for a treat? It is wonderful. That's <laughs> um, all right. You never, I never end up using everything because <laughs> there are so many things. But the, I think just having an inspiring rallying combo in the it's, is alone really great, but then the Bane Chant and Weakness is amazing. I think Weakness is one of the best things to combo with uh, Plague Pots. Mm-hmm. It's That's like the killer for me. It's like having that one turn when you pop your pots and you Weakness something and then someone just is like, oh, well now I don't want to make that charge. Or they do make the charge and it's like not, it doesn't go well. So it's like it, gives, it buys you that turn and just like adds to the grinding ability of the list, like where it's a defense four list, so grind isn't always great, but the weakness really helps with that. And I have failed Bane Chant four at least four times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Impressive. why I cast, that's why I cast weakness. More reliable. <laughs> More reliable. <laughs> 
Yeah, rally inspiring on a single unit coming out of the monster slot, especially. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a key, right? Is that it's not a character. And and the the fury aura, you can't, you definitely can't like. Yeah. Again, I think that's you know just solidly in the meta is waiver mitigation and and getting fury for your shock troops or for, or for whatever else that might be, and they're fighting. Yeah, it's it's great. It's good when you have it like on the flank if you can support your uh, tunnel runners with it because that mitigates yeah. the slightly lower nerve. Mm-hmm. So Tangle's a unit where it continues to get better and better the more infantry you have to be supported by it. Mm-hmm. Though its weaknesses. Once again, it can only really support, put out one of those spells every turn. I mean, I don't know if that's a weakness. It's, it, it's, they're all great. They're all just much better versions of whatever that spell is than most casters get. Yeah. Even like Until a, you start comparing it to two hex casters, then it starts to pale in well, comparison. Well, you can't compare anything to hex casters. <laughs> right. Like, well, and yeah, and if you have to compare it to two hex casters, you're already doing pretty good. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like... Fireball's awesome late game. Mindfog's funny turn one, you know, when you could like, you know, when you randomly wave or something. Yeah. Or just, or just kill some gargoyles. <laughs> yeah. The top of one. Yeah. Wavering a crusher or something. Just some, you know, it's just, it, it, it will always be able to do something every turn pretty much. Yeah, definitely. And fearless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to keep going. Good. You know, it's, it's gonna scoring. Be you know, unit strength mm-hmm. one, like it's another one of those really great toolbox scoring units that we have. Nimble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you, you want to be you don't want to give it a flank. Like eighteen vicious attacks on the flank? No thanks. On fours, yeah. It's like a Vermintide that casts spells. <laughs> El- elite Vermintide that casts spells. Mm-hmm. The only weird thing is a speed five, which can catch you if you don't deploy it properly. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, uh, it's going to be complain. in the back for the whole for pretty much the whole game, mm-hmm. at least when I've used it. So mine's mine's fighting all the time. <laughs> my <laughs> my my tangle gets in there and and uh, mixes it up all the time. Yeah, um, mine t- mine's taking out a fight wagon horde. <laughs> nice. Mm. Uh, moving on to our other spellcasting unique unit, Mother Kryza, who also has a great uh, mantic model. Uh, Nick, do you want to read that one? Mm, sure. Yeah, Mother Kryza is my new favorite unit. As the hero broodmother, she is a spellcaster 3, which I assume is going to be very impressive sometime in the future. She is still a rat, so she is speed 6. She is melee 3, so pretty good there. Defense 5, once again, excellent. She is unit strength 1. With five attacks, just like the regular Broodmothers, but she is a point of dearth higher at 13.15. And for 165 points, for special rules, she has Cloak of Death instead of Life, Seal Crushing 1, Instare, and Stealthy. So this overall amazing defense, still inspiring, still nimble. And when she differs from a regular Broodmother, instead of Drain Life, she has the lightning bolt five special rule so a little bit more reach out and touch along with the option of having bane chant three for 30 points veil of shadows for 25 or blood boil for 20 and she is a broodmother and a tech ratkin i would say that cries is another definitely five out of five model 
you can really build a list around her. She takes all the sustain of a regular broodmother and turns it all into damage while still keeping all the advantages of it. And I really do feel that the blood boil is worth it over the other two up spells, upgrades. Just being able to blast at something for a couple turns. And then but when it gets close, you just finish it off with that blood boil. But assuming something survives through all that, she has ensnare in defense 5 to live through whatever hits her with a more respectable nerve and can still fight decently in melee. So I think at 165, I think she's a steal. And then for an extra 20 points or maybe 30 for Banechant, if you're feeling a little bit paranoid about where you're going to put her on the battlefield... I just think overall, just great buy. And if you're playing a shooting army, she would be the centerpiece model for it. Just everything that army wants to do, she does just as well and helps them all do it. Yeah, like this is the model you take instead of a uh, inspiring warlock, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. does so much. She's great. And and she's got what I think is probably the best new rule just in general as far as just raw power is cloak of death. Um, mm-hmm. the, I mean, there's a reason that only like five units and and all of Kings have it, and most of those are special characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, especially when you put it on something that is, I mean, I mean, with with the rally, she is horde ogre warriors if they had ensnare and stealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as defense goes, um, yeah, she's just fantastic. Cloak of Death is better than cloak than Aura of Life. Because it works on your turn, so you get immediate advantage of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas the healing back a wound is reactive, the opponent has to make the first move into that for you to have damage to heal. Whether it's Cloak of Death, you move up, charge in, or shoot lightning bolts at something, then get immediate effect out of it when you roll that nerve later on. And it plays into the new, like the defense six meta. Because you're right. getting automatic wounds against the toughest thing to damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, is that it's just straight counter meta as a rule. I usually take mine, so I don't I don't run a whole lot of shooting in, in my list, so I don't use the Blood Boil. I actually generally take it with the Bane Chant, but I'm also running <laughs> seven units of Vermintide, so the, the Bane yeah. Chant is, is pretty important. Yeah, getting the Bane Chant on the Vicious, that helps mm-hmm. a lot. She can just fit into any list. Like, mm-hmm. she's just... It's, again, we have... We're spoiled for choice for toolbox characters and monsters. Yeah. Also, she has fluff, which is fun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And a great model. So it's like, it all like that's the, thing with... the best model they have. I, I I would like to see them put out a, a dedicated Kings of War fantasy, really cool sculpt of Kryza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some, or even like a an upgrade kit to like kind of modify mm-hmm. the existing one. No, an upgrade kit would be cool. I would love a just a kind of ground up brand new sculpt for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That'd I think fun. ground up sculpts for a lot of things would be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always the best, but at the same time, you know, yeah. it's also the most expensive for the company. No, I think since have to pay for a model to either run that through AutoCAD or take the time to sculpt all that up by hand. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're doing a good job with what they have with the the Dead Zone stuff, combining it with uh, the Kings I think of that's War. the most economical choice that they made for them it's the quickest one right yeah certainly the most obvious for the players to have options yeah if only they would keep them in stock yeah that's the hard part man that's yeah 
back when popular. it was first hit, like oh yeah, in a couple days, all the tunnel runners were gone out of the store, and all the nightmares. Yeah. Before I could get any. Yeah, I think Corey and I were on the waiting list for a few months last year. <laughs> for tunnel runners? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the noise, super annoying. But yeah, I've had Mother Cries. I get into the flank of a unit and put, I think, eight damage on there, including Cloak of Death to a unit of Swordsmen out of mm-hmm. Basilia. Well, yeah, hit melee three again. It's like one of those things we don't have a lot of. So having a nice large infantry character with melee three crush one is actually pretty good. And of course, yet again, more more scoring out of the hero slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can run like an entirely scoring army with full <laughs> hero support. Mm-hmm. It's like my best of the rest list didn't have a single individual. It's just large infantry support characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so. is one of the advantages. And I mean, in an overall in a tournament setting, just having a single more point of unit strength on an objective than your opponent. Mm-hmm can make a huge drop in the initial scoring results depending yep. on how everyone's running it. Like we were playing blackjack, you know, if I'm one point over, that starts the game at a 14 to 7. Exactly. So our final unique unit is Scud Coo's Luck, Demon Spawn of Dew, or as I call him, Scud the Bud. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes, he, he travels around the battlefield with the mutant rat friend and they just try to, <laughs> they just try to make friends with everyone, but everyone just keeps dying. So they have to keep looking. And it's a never ending quest. The sad tale of Scud the Butt. <laughs> he just wants friends. <laughs> so he is uh, probably the best dragon in the game. I would say. He's back to being the top. Mm-hmm. Speed 10, melee 3, defense 5. Standard, unit strength one. But this is where he has 13 attacks, which is more than any other monster or dragon. He's been buffed up to 1719 nerve, which is was much needed. Crush three, fly, inspiring, nimble, rally two, and lightning bolt five. So he does it all. He adds to your long-range shooting early game. He supports... Your units with Inspiring and Rally 2. He gives you a highly mobile Melee 3 hammer. Like He can take regiments to the front in a pinch. Anything he flanks will, is in serious danger. He's Scud the Bud. He's the MVP. Five out of five. Easy rat answer to dragons. Yep. The 13 attacks makes him a real threat to any other dragon on the board. Even yeah. if they're hiding in cover from his lightning bolts. Yep. The if, they stay out, yep. if they stay yeah. out of range, he lightning bolts them. If they get into range to try to chase you down to stop lightning bolts, you just fly in and fight them. Mm-hmm. The only change um, to him is his base size. He's and his technically, technically is nerfed from... Uh, Oh, he does have the, the additional point of nerve. His nerve is That's a big. It matters. The additional point of nerve is, is pretty big, but um, the, the base size going up is, is pretty big as well because being mm-hmm. on the fifty, like he, it wasn't th- it wasn't that difficult to find a flank here or there in a game. Um, is definitely a little bit more so now with the seventy five mil base. Yeah. He went up for everyone though, so yeah, that's across the. That board. was also another decision made by Mantic to reconcile the game rules with the models that they were producing currently. 
for the models they were producing for their personal, for their own company, were all Titan size on 75s, whereas what people would use would be the smaller 50s for all their units. So, well, I think it's a good it's a good change, though. I mean, especially yeah. like just dragons in general. I, mean, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean they shouldn't be as small as they are, right? They should be. Right. They should have yeah. a a physical presence you. on the battlefield that matches their effect. Yeah, I think it's good to have that that seven attack flying monster have that the fifty mil base like the right. the, mm-hmm. the beast of nature or king yeah. general on winged beast like they have that extra tier so they're a little more maneuverable but they don't have, they only seven attacks versus Eight. the ten ten Air plus, elementals right? and fire elemental greater fire yeah. elementals as well it creates a yeah. little more granularity Different, a little differentiation is always good right yes yeah the the seraphon or the lizardman monsters salamander yeah. they all start with s but yeah i think that point of nerve I found find makes a big difference, especially like early game. There's a lot less, a lot fewer, you know, random waivers. Yeah. And in 1921, when he's rallied up, is up. That's a <laughs> that's a beefy dragon. Yeah. Also high six, so when he gets mm-hmm. put on a hill, he can see over just about everything. Mm-hmm. With his lightning bolt too, which is mm-hmm. handy. He's a rough customer for sure. Yeah. So we're in agreement that thumbs up. To bud or scud the bud you don't have to take him in your list but no there's nothing wrong if you do he's a lot of points so yeah you gotta fit him in yeah you can make this you can choose not to make the decision but if you do take him you're not gonna get knocked for it you're not gonna feel like you could have spent those points somewhere else right mm-hmm. i mean even if he comes off the board turn one or two from artillery fire just think about the amount they would have to put into him as compared to your other units, which are going to be running around like your mutant rat fiends or even the tangle yep. in the back. Or you can even just hide him behind the mutant rat fiend because the mutant rat fiend's fearless and he has all that wound recovery if you're facing war machines. So mm-hmm. he can be a little bit of a sponge. And I think with Scud, it's like you can have him in, as a flanking force with faster elements. Or, you know, you can still keep him to support your infantry since he has the rallying and lightning bolt. Like, he's going to be useful right. in, in, in any build that you use him in. You, you don't have you to have tailor of them. Yeah, he's you don't good. need to tailor it to him. You can He can fit into pretty much all the play styles that you, you would run with rats. Right. Like we were talking about earlier, like, oh, I'm going to take two regiments of hack paws. What would be great with that? It'd be the demon spawn. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Two regiments of tunnel runners. What would be great with that? Maybe some troops of hackpaws, but also Scud Juzaluk, the demon spawn. Yep. What's great with three hordes of shock troops? The demon spawn. You know. What's great with three mutant rat fiends? Also the demon spawn. Mm-hmm. He just gets along with everyone. All right. So that's the unit by unit breakdown. So kind of tying into what we keep going over, the synergy of the list. It's like what do you guys think uh, needs to be in the army to make it work? What is, what are the key components to the synergy of the rat list? So we can just kind of go through this quick. Brood mothers. (laughs) Yep. They're the, they're the thing that makes it work. A second or third brood mother after the first one. Mm -hmm. And a rat fiend. Yeah. Yeah. So the mean rat fiends for me. Yeah. I think that, the radiance of life, wound mitigation, dur- like adding that durability is what really changed in third edition. Like, you know, Corey, you mentioned it before. It's like 
you know, your shock troops would kill stuff and like, you know, they'd maybe kill something over two or three turns and get into a second round of combat. And then at the end of the game, turn six, you're lucky if they're still alive. They, they just, they would do damage, but they would just keep, just keep on taking it. And there's no way to mitigate it, especially with defense four. And now with all the drain life and radiance of life and regen, it like totally changes the game. Yeah, and the games that I played, probably on average, for each game I played at U.S. Masters, between the two Broodmothers, between their Aura of Life and Drain Life, they probably healed 20 wounds in a game. Yeah, that's a horde, right? That's huge. Like, I would, turn seven was like the bane of my existence in second edition, and now I'm ending games that, when things go to plan, at least, you know, I'm ha- you know two or three hordes left, which was just like unheard of. It's like, I'd always be like, super high attrition losses or wins like, I, like the opponent would have super high attrition i'd still end up winning but like so much of the army would be dead at the end of it that isn't the case anymore and that i guess yeah it just that starts with the broodmother any of you have a favorite scenario or like a least favorite scenario um, control works out for us pretty well which one control control yeah divided table into six parts and i have enough parts of my army to go into each one of them mm-hmm. also push as well i believe that i have enough drops that i can effectively move the tokens to wherever i feel i have the most power on the board or even more importantly wherever my opponent has the least amount of power mm-hmm. yeah and i have enough back units like brood mothers to try to shuffle those around effectively yeah i think we anything with loot tokens we have a, a ton of great unit strength one characters and yeah. the tangle that can just handle those tokens and get there yeah. they need to go right under push they are they're all they all go very well because yeah, you can just lateral it out to where you need it to left or right my favorite is um salt the earth um just because I, I really like you throw out you throw out the objectives at the start of the game and i like kind of just taking a look at the board and saying which objectives am i going to destroy straight away so i can just say okay i expect by turn four or five this is the going to be the important area of the board and my opponent doesn't necessarily know that and and rats just have enough um just fast garbage that they can throw all onto an objective i could throw a couple couple units of vermintide onto an objective and if you haven't planned properly i can get one more unit strength than you and make this section of the board irrelevant by removing the token, and then you're stuck fighting through Vermintide to get your stuff over to somewhere that matters in the end game. Yeah. Um, so that one I think is just a lot of fun for rats to play. Yeah, I think it's very telling to style too. Like you like have using Vermintide, hack paws, fast, nimble things to like control the battlefield that way. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any scenarios you think we have specific trouble with? Mm-hmm. Dominate can be can be troublesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Depending on the terrain list. setup. Yeah. Right. Defense six all crammed into the dominate circle is tough to get through. Yeah, we have a hard time concentrating damage in melee. Mm-hmm. We didn't used to. <laughs> no. But now with all the wide frontages, it's hard you know, and, and the lack of elite and vicious on the shock troops, it's hard to get that overwhelming one charge. Right. I think generally with a unit or an army like ours where there's a lot of unit strength and a lot of units a lot of the objective based missions are just we have an inherent advantage or at least aren't disadvantaged for most of them right with respect to uh terrain do you think are we are we 
do we prefer an open board or a more claustrophobic board? Do we think we're terrain agnostic or just, is there something specific that you, you like to see on the board? I'm I usually like to play board. pretty defensive, so I'd rather see more terrain on the board. Agreed. Take advantage think, of the plague pots. <clears throat> I see terrain as kind of the enemy. We're already hitting on fours with even our best combat units to drop them down even further effective in combat. I feel just makes the list a little bit more weak with the lack of Pathfinder we can get, as well as since we're such a horde army, if there's more than a single impassable piece in our deployment zone, I think we can just get naturally spread out too far away from each other. Yeah, that's the one thing. You don't want to get split up unnecessarily. Like, I think... Or just as bad if there's a big impassable piece somewhere in the middle of the board. Yeah. And like the center, 24 inches, and your opponent's playing a much more elite army, Mm -hmm. it just won't let you get to bring enough power into bear all at once to be able to break them. Yeah, the the reliance on synergy means the whole army has to work together most of the time. So it doesn't work well if it's split into like two chunks. I find. But pretty much all of those issues are addressed by the Mutant Rat Fiend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they have a problem, just add another Mutant Rat Fiend. Yeah. And the fact that he can hold an entire side of the board by himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great great on the flank. Sorry, just, but he still has to watch out for the same units as everything else, such as yeah. the Vampire Infantry, Reapers, well, Witch Elves with Bane Chant, which do have the number of attacks to take him down in a single turn. Right. Yeah. Hopefully we have enough drops to mitigate that kind of counter-deployment. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean against, against most army that, is, that are running a just kind of elite buzzsaw like that, we should be able to keep the Mutant Rat Fiend away from them. Right, that's why you have weapons teams. So, magical artifacts. Are there any that like you don't leave home without? Like, they're just like, I'm starting the list with this, and that's it. Mm, I've been a big fan of the Shroud of the Saint on the Healing Warlock. Mm-hmm. I think even more importantly, if you're playing in a big tournament than Veil of Shadows, I believe there's a lot more use out of that than Stealthy at the current time anyway. Yep. Yeah, Heal 7 with the combo with the Broodmother and Radiance of Life, that's a lot of wound reclamation. Wings for the Assassin. Yeah. Yeah, I like the wings. Yeah. If you're taking an Assassin, the wings would definitely help. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you the... can even fit them on a War Chief if you're spiel- feeling extra yeah. spicy. Yeah. I think other than like the obvious like Brute Strength and Pathfinder on Shock Troop ports, the sharpness on Tunnel Runners just makes them just that reliable. That yeah. One more hitting on threes unit that I found really invaluable. I think I kind of th- threw them away for the first month or two um, when they lost Rally, but then adding one regiment back in with Sharpness has just been like, they've been money. Mm-hmm. I really think that's like a really great unit. I think yeah. there's a points efficiency there with it, for sure. Yeah. I think a, a, a really great one for, for rats in particular that's more valuable than the item itself is in other armies is Dragon Shard Shield when you can combine it with the Plague Pots. Yep, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, another cute trick. Yeah, yeah I definitely I feel that like you know, all the melee items go on Shock Troops and then plus one to hit or like the Boots movement items go on Tunnel Runners. I don't think that many of the other units are just worth upgrading Right. And even the ones we have. spend a lot of points in magic items. Yeah. Yeah, you want to more more bodies is always a better plan for rats. But I think that dragon shard shield that kind of ties into that 
buying that extra turn mm-hmm. idea. It's just like since the army has to work together so much, like holding up part of the enemy for one more turn makes a big difference for us. Mm-hmm. I do think the but the blessing of the gods. So elite for the nightmares is kind of interesting, but that's still a lot of points. Yeah. But at least it can be used in both ranged and melee. So they would get the best use out of it. Mm-hmm. For their one turn of shooting. <laughs> yep. Um, but if you get lucky, you can make it count. That's true. And that's what you're hoping for. Too bad. Put just enough jam- damage. On, yep. <laughs> put just enough damage on the enemy that when they charge in and you hopefully survive, you can do enough back to kill them in a single round. Then if they're still around, you just try to repeat it the next turn. Yep. I guess, yeah, I guess that mitigates the whole problem we have with like true alpha strike. We have to do a little chip damage as the enemy comes in. Yeah, that's all the army does right now is chip damage. Yeah, which is why I think as a army, we kind of struggle with high defense or armies that have a lot of heal, right? Mm-hmm. It's because we're doing chip damage the whole time. So if they're if your opponent is really good at healing all that off, yeah, yeah. If you're facing a defense, as well. If you're facing forces of nature with defense six and radiance of life, it's not a good, not a good scene. Cough, Dustin yeah. Howard. So right, right yeah. now, right now in the meta, if you're gonna play rats, Kryza is just necessary. Yeah. So that kind of rolls into our general strategies for you know rough arm like strat or army style. So we have like melee armies, shooty armies, elite horde defense six so is there anything specific like any anything in the meta currently we started talking about defense six armies and other armies that we might have problems with i mean artillery just as well as anyone else will mm-hmm. if a gunline army starts rolling hot then there's nothing you can do that's right but i do think we're more resilient to that than most other armies just because if we right, go first based on nerve right get up the table <laughs> And just the nerve and then the healing to kind of keep you in the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not too afraid of gun lines in general. In in this edition, are just not as strong. Um, the war engine spam. It, it kind of. I, I guess it kind of just comes down to that. The viability of those um, those heavy shooting lists are going to just vary depending on your region. Um, I think that there are just some regions that play with a lot more terrain and some play with a lot less terrain and, and it really just kind of comes down to that as far as how much of a threat that is um we don't see that too much in the south no nope. so i'm not concerned with that at all really and it kind of plays into northeast as well what you're going to see in front of the guns like if it's abyssal dwarves you're going to see golems which defense six so you're going to have to have a strategy to deal with that mm-hmm. if it's kingdoms of men rordia they're going to have pikes so that's like ensnare which Arguably is bad for us since we're mostly hitting on fours, makes yep. makes our life more difficult. So trying to like clear out regiments or hordes of pikes is very difficult with this army. And we do have a lot of teller units. Yeah. So and then pikemen don't like weapons teams. So there's that. Yeah, we've got the shooting to deal with tarpity units like like pikes and stuff. It's it's really just the it's just the def six. That's the big that's the big yeah. thing. Actually, appeal, yeah. Ironically, one of the best counters to the list I would be bringing from masters would be an exact copy of my own list. 
since I'm putting out mediocre damage, but I'm healing up a ton every turn. It'd just be a massive stalemate across the whole line. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the wound recovery is just... Is, so. but, but see, the problem is, though, that like the current meta list, you run into the same problem against it, that you can't put enough damage to stop it, but they also are generally just big bags of hammers that can that can run over stuff. So yeah, that's kind of the, the trick, is to figure out how to play counter meta with rats. It kind of seems like the current meta is particularly strong against the rat list as a whole, which makes it kind of challenging. It was challenging. Let's see... So. Yeah, Salamanders can play the same style as well if they choose to, but I haven't seen anyone really rock that particular build just yet. But yeah, there's so. Trident Realms are tough just because of ensnare and hitting on yes. fours to start with. That's when you just need to really hope that the drain life and what shooting you've got is able Certainly. to start peeling units off. Yeah, you really can't have a turn of bad nerve checks against Trident Realm. But also, Trident Realms are quite expensive in their units. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that they're a lost cause. No, it's just a little more difficult, I found, yeah. One extra turn of grinding. But I find generally against elite armies, we have enough to slow them down, and our, well, we can't, like, ha- we don't have overwhelming damage output. We can do enough against, you know, cavalry or, like, infantry regiments, like, something, like, against something like Varanger or, or Undead. We can get it, we can get in their way enough so that our counterattack can often take out one of their regiments or Certainly. And one of the advantages we have with Undead is that we fill up so much of the board that getting really good surges is a lot harder. It's really <laughs> challenging, right? Yeah. You can't get flanked if you don't have flanks. Mm-hmm. That's how I ran it in second edition. Exactly. Yep, same for me. I may have copied Corey a little bit. <laughs> I improved Corey's list. It works. It does. I was undefeated. Um... You guys know the people that I play around here? I think Corey was undefeated with rats last year, too. Mm-hmm. Nah, I lost one, lost one oh, game. One game, sorry. Um, and then we got horde armies. So. I think other horde armies are not quite as much of a challenge for us, since we would do the same thing, but we would do it just a little bit better with yeah. the brood brothers right behind. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we just grind better than they do, right? Yeah, they might have the bodies, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, well, we have, and like shock troops and tunnel runners, and they can they can take out hordes relatively consistently in two turns. So rats have always been great at killing rats. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Even oh, back in fantasy. Cool. So are there any? Not that we should help the general public as rat players, but in a gesture of goodwill, if you are playing against rats. What do you not want to see across the board, or what do you what do you what what are general problems you face? Like other than the you know defense six with heal that you think defense six was just frustrating to try to fight through. I literally didn't have enough power to make anything stick. Right, while you just didn't bring enough heat. Yeah, while they still have enough power with the basic golem hordes mm-hmm. to kill my hordes over two to three turns. Just one-on-one, I can't win that. And even with support, they have the same type that we do between Banechant and Healing and Martyr's Prayer. Right, right. They don't, need, they don't need a ton of support where we have to use all of ours to even stay in that fight. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing against rats, what would your, your main focus be? The Brood Moms. Yep. Mm-hmm. I try to get something in the backfield, or hopefully more than one something. So, yeah. you know, Abyssal Temptresses, Amazing units now. You'll probably see a lot more of them in the future. 
those rats have to watch out for, along with Flying Abyssal Champions. Yeah, Abyssals have a lot of great tools in that regard. And then Night Stalkers also have a lot of good counters to rats as well. If rats are playing a shooty list, that's just a bad matchup in general. But mm-hmm. close combat, like, the basic hordes of butchers are decent combat units, but the reapers you have to watch out for. The fiends have good output as well, against yeah. speed. The fiends just have a lot of attacks where if we don't have shock troops on the table, shock troops would be good against fiends. Mm-hmm. Spear warriors would be all right, but probably I'd actually think the fiends would have enough attacks to wipe out the mutant rat fiend if he's off by himself. Yeah, and with a good roll, a good turn. Speaking about the, the the Night Stalkers, though, rats do have pretty easy access to Lightning Bolt, which is true. very helpful against uh, Night Stalkers. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get Lightning Bolt 13 or 18 in the list. Mm-hmm. The Night Stalkers also have really easy to Lightning Bolt. But I find, like, with our wound mitigation, like, I've faced Lightning Bolt 24 lists, like, from Night Stalkers. <laughs> it's, it's not as bad as, well, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm either time yeah between our own lightning bolt and then the prevalence of the drain life being able to put out really strong heals as well and radiance of life yeah kind of do have all of the necessary tools to deal with night stalkers also one of the natural predators of rat the elf chariot is no longer quite as prevalent anymore yes also Mm -hmm. true elf chariots and elf archers were the natural uh, counter in second which they're not nearly what they were so that's uh, that's a big bonus for us i think Mm -hmm. i know nick and Corey. this next topic will be a point of interest and maybe sadness for you uh we're talking about allies and what you know what allies could help uh rats out and if we or if we even need them so i know Corey, you ran two regiments of mounted sons in a lot of your lists last year and that was because we just lacked a a fast hand unit yeah now we have things like the mutant rat fiend and the tunnel runners to kind of fill that void Mm -hmm. and plus i think the list is so built around synergies now I would have a hard time finding allies that I would want to throw. That's a good point. There's not a lot of room left once you get all the things you need. Yeah, I came up with the same issue, actually. My first thought was to try to reproduce the list I had in second in third edition. And with all the new options, I just didn't really feel like I had to have some slot of the game. I didn't feel like I had a direct weakness that I had to compensate for with allies. And we did have a hammer unit back in the day that was fast, and it was Tortured Souls. Those were the real hammer unit in rats, but Tortured Souls were probably justifiably changed into a different type of unit for the good of the game. Mm -hmm. And now can't ally in irregular units or uh, theme lists, so... And they also became Swarms and Height 1. How about you, Michael? Any opinions on allies? Um, I... I don't know. I I could probably see um, an argument for putting in something that is really adept at dealing with high defense. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what I would ally, but I, I don't think that rats in general need it. As far as just, I mean, the rat list in this edition is, is you're kind of spoiled for variety. There's so many different build styles that you can go, so many really interesting new units and then improved units that I think that there's a place for allies in the rat list, but at the moment, I think rat players in general are just kind of enjoying the lists, the the, uh, the units that the list have. So it's it's pretty easy to just kind of max out your points real quick trying to take all the things that are interesting yeah i gotta say like after two years of almost playing rats every weekend having like a, it doesn't seem like a lot changed in the list from second to third like there's a few new characters a few slight changes or you know removed units but the army as a whole i think is quite different 
and there's a lot to explore. And I think we've covered a lot of the things, like there's a lot of really great synergistic pieces that can be put together, I think in a few different ways. Well, you wrap, you ally in the, a regiment of rabble and a giant inside of your three mutant rat fiend list. There you go. Or scarecrows in a shadow. Yeah, in a shadow Hulk. I think shadow hulks are probably one, like the second best giant after the mutant rat fiend. (laughs) Um, We asked Facebook for some questions. I'm not sure good of an idea that was, but we're going to run through them quickly. And I think we've covered a lot of it, a lot of the questions so far. But we'll quickly run through those to see if there's anything we've missed. And then we'll go on to a few overall thoughts about rats and how it fits within the game. So first question is from Justin Towers. And we covered this early on. He's like, halberds and or plague pots for shock troops. And I think we all tended to agree plague pots for sure. And halberds were a little meta dependent. Yeah, I think so. If you have points and you need them, then you need to bring them. But it's not, a, not an always take. Yeah. yeah. One, so. both, neither. Just kind of up to you at that point. Just experiment a bit with the rest of your list and everyone else you're playing with. Depends how you many see a lot of night hordes. Go at it. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're... Local meta has a lot of cavalry or flyers. It'll help if the halberds will help. But if not, if you're facing a lot of uh, infantry and large infantry, maybe not. Justin Towers has a second question. Are there viable ways to utilize an elite low drop list with Ratkin? Yes, but you might not like it. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are a lot of good elite options. They really do, actually. Our, Our good stuff is really good. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that, that triple mutant Raffi list could be backed up by uh, three shock troop hordes and the demon spawn, and it's like but... it depends. Like, what do you mean, like low drops, low unit strength, or low um, board coverage? Because it really kind of just depends what you mean by by elite. All at once. If you, if you want to go all at once, then you take a couple nightmare hordes and yeah. three mutant rat fiends and and scud. Now we have to go further. Four tunnel runners. Yes. We need Raffines, Scud. Yeah, like 13 unit strength. There you and go. Then one night, two Nightmare Hordes is 15 points over. So you'll have one less Nightmare Horde and a lot of upgrades. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it, again, that is going to be very meta-dependent too. But I think I think rats, if, if you can make the legal list, you can probably make it work more or less. <laughs> there's a lot. Like, there's not a lot of duds in the list. It won't work, but it'll be hilarious, and you and your opponent will have fun. There so you go. It'll be worth it. Take lots of pictures and post them online so the rest of us can enjoy it too. Steve Hildrew asks, what's the point of nightmares? <laughs> I think we covered that too. We're not we're not really sure. Mantic sells them, and we yeah. want to give Mantic money. There you go. So that they continue producing Ratkin for us. And the if models we use aren't them, the worst. It's mostly the we... heads that I don't care for. If you use them in your list, you'll be a better player because you're putting yourself at a slight disadvantage. There's probably a way to make them work. We just haven't figured it out yet. So go ahead and take them and try to figure it out so you can enlighten the rest of us. Because I kind of want to know, too. (laughs) So Ben Bowers asks, if you must pick, which would you choose? Broodmother or Warlock with Banechamp? And why? Broodmother. Broodmother. If I already have two broodmothers, I'd take the warlock. 
If not, Broodmother. Yeah, just if I already have two the... Broodmothers, then it's a 50-50. I think I said, like, Broodmother with Drain Life is... That Drain Life is going to add close to the same amount of damage as Bane Chant in a lot of cases. And it's going to heal back your unit. And they're natively inspiring with Radiance of Life. This is like a no-brainer. And then that one time you'll get a flank charge and both you and your opponent are going to remember that game. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to play control and it's going to at the double in a random direction and you're yep. going to win the game. Then you're going to play raise. She's going to be carrying an objective marker the whole game and sneak it up the side somewhere. Or you'll play invade and she'll sneak mm-hmm. up the side the whole game draining life for hiding behind a forest at turn six. Yep. That unit strength is not to be underestimated or undervalued. Joey Greek asks, why is Mother Kryza the most underrated living legend in the game? I don't think she's underrated among us. <laughs> we were just talking about how she's so great. Her glory hasn't been properly spread yet. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, still, it's early in the meta. The lesser races don't know her true power, but has yet to be exploited. Yeah, I think it'll it'll take some time for people to to get some experience against her. Um, it's kind of the thing too that like, unless you have played rats or play against rats a lot, you just look at stat lines and it's mm-hmm. easy to forget about the fact that they're always going to be two nerf higher than what you're looking at. Because um, that fifteen seventeen man fifteen seventeen def five stealthy and snare is crazy. That is huge. Also, I think we keep talking about it, and I keep bringing it back up because I think it's such an important point. Is you look at stat lines, you don't see the synergies between everything in this list. I think it is one of the more highly synergized lists in the game. Like it just mm-hmm. every, everything works together. Everything has to work together. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I see it. <laughs> um, Trell's Wargamer, I assume, took all the vowels out, asks... Veil of Shadows or an assassin to deal with war engines? Assassin. I like Veil of Shadows. Assassin here too. Yeah, I just I just ignore because there's them. not going to be war machines in every game. Yeah, assassin's going to be more useful over over the course of five games probably as well. Yeah, and yeah. whether it's whether not it's when I lightning bolt off those gargoyles turn one. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as just I keep the dragon dead. Strictly between the two for handling um, war engines. Yeah. Um, I, I I like to be able to remove them, and if you take a you know flying assassin, you can you can pick up a war engine for whatever fires, and then you're not. I mean, that alone is going to be as far as average amount of damage taken, probably about as valuable, if not more valuable, than stealthy throughout the course of the game. Mm-hmm. And two dice spells on two dice. Alex does not like spells on. Though <laughs> <laughs> um, so by the same turn, half the army is with war engines have the option of tr- having a unit turn around and then surging into the assassin. That's totally fine. Oh man, I love it when that happens. If you're going to take a piece of your battle line and spin it around and have it face the wrong direction to take out my 100-point character, please do it. All right. Martin Garbino asks, Boomstick, three Warlocks, and Mother Kryza for Lightning Bolt 23. Yay or nay? You forgot to add in the yeah, you forgot. Death Engine Spewers as well. And well, Weapon Tories. Demon's Spawn good, for Lightning. yeah. Yeah. Lightning Bolt 28. Oh, Stephen Hildrew followed that up with Add Scud, Lightning Bolt 28. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I think that's a yay. I think that's something that we do really well, and I don't think it really disadvantages us 
too much. Maybe not three warlocks, maybe two. But Martin also asks, spamming claw shots. Is that the new war engine spam? Depends what spamming is. I think two to four is very, very viable without hampering the rest of the army. Mm -hmm. Could make some cool conversions out of it. I don't know know what the war is broken. I don't think more than four is really going to get you much, though. At some point, you're going to hit the diminishing turns li- returns line yeah. when they start interfering, or your opponent just brings a lot of height to infantry. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you're not quite so impressive when there's just a bunch of vampires on foot running at you. We covered this one earlier. Tunnel runner troops, are they any good? And we we're like, maybe. Yeah, need more Need more data. Need more, more test runs with that. But I, I think they have potential. Definitely have potential, I think. Yeah, I agree. Again, but it's one of those ideas you're going to have to really work your whole list around. Are scurriers finally viable, Michael? Scurriers have been viable. They've been, <laughs> they've been viable forever. Yeah, um, sorry, that's Aaron Swartz asking that one. Yeah, I think, I think that they are... Let's see, there was one way to use them previously. You had to take the formation, which kind of necessitated a certain play style with them. Now... Again, I kind of need to play them some more and and really try them out more here and there. When I was building, and I like I said, I was favoring these these the the Vermintide a lot. Um, it kind of just kept getting down to: Do I want a troop of Scariers or another horde of Vermintide? With the style I was already headed down, the path I was headed down, I wanted the Vermintide, and I think most lists will want the Vermintide. True. So if you want to make the Scariers work, I think that they are plenty viable. I think that they just more finesse than some of the other options at their same point level yeah they're not as obvious a choice as some of the other options we have i'll play them as a true army whenever the scurrier theme list comes out there you go oh yeah that'd be oh my gosh i would love that so much rat rat assassin theme list yeah get on that rules committee so so i just again to kind of talk more about these scurriers that i love so much in kind of the the fluff that i'm working towards i'm kind of trying to flesh out what the scurriers are. Yeah, I'm trying to make them less just straight ninja rats and, and more something a little bit different. And I'm kind of adding like um, they have this whole kind of like a mysticism, almost like a um, like maybe a voodoo magic type of thing that, mm. that even the other rats are kind of wary of the type of magic that they do. So make them less ninja and more almost shadowy maybe even kind of like a gypsy kind of style where they are, yeah, that this, they're, they're kind of their own thing um, yeah. and, and not entirely trusted by the other rats. So it would be really uh, did, cool to see like a full theme list around this, the Scurriers. Did this I come agree. out as a cultural rebellion against their previous upbringing as slaves mm-hmm. or from a more of a cross-cultural from someone they've been around from one of the other races? Well, it's kind of the interesting thing about Ratkins, just the Ratkin thematically, Right. Is that being this kind of basically fabricated uh, society, they are going to once they break away from the Abyssal Dwarves, theoretically, they would just be able to pull whatever pieces of other cultures they like and and kind of make them a part of what the rats are as they try to kind of form their own identity as an independent force. Right. Um, Yes. So this could kind of be something like a a branching off of that. Right. Where Mm -hmm. where um, some of these these scurriers have kind of found something that's a little bit different, right? And, and started down a path that the other rats have kind of turned away from. Yeah, they're trying to find their culture. Yeah. Yes, to identify themselves as something other than previous property of the Abyssal Dwarves. All right. So the next question is a three-part question. Uh, Johannes Olakainen asks, 
chaff options. Warriors versus Vermintide versus maybe something else. Uh, personally, I, I run three regiments of warriors, partly model option like model modeling that I have models that I have available and partly I like the defense four a little bit more and but Vermintide definitely I think are excellent chaff with the nimble and wild charge like we we're talking about. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I dig the Vermintide as well. Although I do have yeah. warriors in there for when you do want to have a, a unit stick around for more than a turn. But mm-hmm. I, I do like Vermintide. Yeah, mm-hmm. Verm- Vermintide for me. Vermintide for myself as well. Although, likewise, it's also a modeling choice where I'm most likely using the warrior models slash spear rats as something else in my list already. So probably the Vermintide. Just being speed six with nimble is just enough to get them exactly where I need them to be. Mm-hmm. Although I still get kind of tempted by by the troops of Hackpaws, but we'll see about those in the future. I like warrior regiments backed up by a brood. Like if you have a brood mother off day, a warrior regiment can be very very annoying to deal with for like light flankers. Mm-hmm. That de- the defense four with radiance of life and a drain life popping over the top is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny for me, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the best hammer that we have? He asks. Rat bean. Scud Kuzaluk. Luke. Yeah. Scud. Yeah. Just in general, but um, then beyond that would probably be the the rat fiends or the um the sharpest tunnel troops. runners. Yeah, yeah. sharpest tunnel runners plus one to hit. Yeah. Just they get a few options, I think. I think shocks with brew strength, and then. You get tunnel runners of sharpness, scud, mutant rat friend. You know, there's we're, we have more options now than we used to. Although our hammers quite aren't quite as big as they used to be, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't think I think, but most hammers across the board are a little less. There's some that are still a problem, but I think most hammers across the board got toned down a little bit. He asks important magic items. We covered that earlier, though. Matt Fretz asks why Ratkin Slaves List is terrible. We'll cover that in a later podcast. I have a contrary opinion to that statement. It'll be an interesting podcast. Uh, <laughs> Riley and Doe asks, why play Ratkin when Kingdoms of Men are right there? We won't answer that. You will not justify that with an answer. <laughs> You're right, because there are better lists to compare Ratkin to, which overshadowed them even harder than Kingdoms of Men. Drew Gaddy asks, what units should you absolutely stay away from building? And I don't know. I think we kind of, everything kind of has a role if you want it to, other than maybe Nightmares, but even Nick. Fiends from the Night Stalker range. They have eight (laughs) legs each. They're resin. They're tiny with tiny points of contact. They may be numbered, (laughs) but that doesn't mean a whole lot. In the context of rats, though. When they have their little like claws in the dirt and they start snapping off. And they That's snap true. off like from the force of me clipping them off the sprue. I'm not even touching them. So that's one unit you should not ally into rats. <laughs> I don't really think that there are any like. They're going to melt in my car are... during summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think that there are any units in the rat list that are just absolutely useless. The the probably the lowest tier just looking over all of the units would be the shredder, but even that there's there's a use for it if you're just kind of going with overwhelming shooting. And I think the shredder is like it's worse than claw shots just because claw shots are excellent, but it's not absolutely terrible for the points. Like it it's mm. it's suboptimal given claw shots exist, but it's not 
Yeah, I mean, most of the most of the things in in Ratkin that you would generally avoid are not because they're bad. It's because there's just a better option in the list. And I feel that's really a an internal problem as well with the Ratkin list is that there are some options that are just overshadowed by another unit in the same slot, the same purpose. The the Impaler. Yeah. Yes. Most of the time, I even forget it exists. <laughs> yeah. Except when I feel like trashing it when it comes back to the surface of my memory. When someone brings up tactics. Well, I'm glad we gave you the opportunity tonight. Um, so that covers the Facebook listener questions. So um, actually, I do have um, one one answer for for Stephen Hildrew about uh, about how to use uh, nightmares. Oh, okay. Perfect. I put together a a list over here that is um, three hordes of warriors with plague pots and thirteen regiments of nightmares. There you go. It is uh, <laughs> thematic 16, as well. Sixteen units. 35 unit strength, uh, over 100 breath shots, and a wall of def 5, 13, 15 units. So, Steve, we expect a fully mantic nightmare list for next year's Clash of Kings. I want to, I want to see, um, I want to see Steve run that in a, uh, like a, maybe a, a Universal Battles uh, <laughs> battle report on uh, Death by Dragons. There you go. We have a listener request. A guest request, Steve. Guest request to a listener. Yes. Can we to go up enough points to contributor? Three broodmothers. Okay, so that wraps up the questions and answers. And I think, you know, now we're just going to go through each of us and we'll say really lets you, like, what makes you enjoy playing rats so much that, you know, we've all been playing them for quite a while outside Kings of War and throughout the run of Kings of War. Why do you play rats? Like, what makes it? so enjoyable i'll go last for this one all right so i'll start for me it's always been i wanted to play the horde army so now i think it doesn't hoard out quite as much as it used to at least definitely not as much as in second edition so granted i haven't had much time to play or play around with the list since preparing for masters so hoping to get more exposure to what uh, the new list brings to the table and get some enjoyment out of that still so more to come for me on that okay how about you mike Um, for me it's always been one one uh source of lore or another for them um so i I really like what um i mean I, i loved the the skaven lore in warhammer fantasy battles like i said i was brought in because of redwall back when i was a lot younger and i i like kind of the direction that the lore is going in kings right now and i you know want to help build on that but it's always been like a it's it's been a lore focused army for me whereas a lot of other armies i'll, I'll dabble in because of a certain play style it's all about the lore for me for rats nice yeah i think i kind of hit on it earlier like similar to kind of Corey's idea of like the horde and like when i first started building or collecting rats is all about like i want blocks of troops i want to have that checkerboard deployment i want to have expendable troops and elite troops and like have that really explore the maneuver aspect of an infantry army and i think rats do it one of the best out of all the armies because of you know the slightly better movement and slightly more expendable troops in some roles and like a few more specialized troops that kind of adds a little character to it and i think it's just like i've probably said the word synergy about 20 or 30 times tonight but it's like just how the whole army plays together and it plays like an entire army not just like a bunch of units so it's you all it's very much like a living entity or a blob as opposed to like a bunch of individual components 
I think I really enjoy that aspect. How about you, uh, Nick? Playing Rackin is like baking a cake. Rats, humanoid shape or more mechanical, make up the layers of the cake. There's a lot of strategy in choosing what goes together. Perhaps the basic vanilla of spears and shock troops is, is as complex as you need. And maybe you prefer a spicier mango chili tunnel runner rush. Your support pieces are the icing, weapon teams, claw shots, hack paws, and rat fiends. At this point, you should have an idea of the tasty final product. Your heroes are the toppings. Broodmothers, warlocks, add that extra kick of sweetness. They bring everything together and elevate the taste. Finally, the demon spawn. Scudcoo's Luke is a giant chocolate rose in the center. All right. I'm hungry now. Scudcoo, the chocolate rose of dew. There you go. He's got a lot of nicknames, that guy. So I think we've covered two of the model ranges available. Like, we all have various uh, eras of Citadel miniatures for Skaven stand-ins as Ratkin. And then there's the Veermen from Mantic, and now they're coming out with their own specific Ratkin stuff. I know for me, like my mutant rat fiends are Mersha monstrous rat guys, and they have a few other... They have their own Vras rat line, which is quite cool. A lot of, a lot of detail, a lot of really cool mutated things. What other models do you guys have in your armies from different manufacturers? Reaper. Their Bones line has a couple re- rat models that are decent looking. Cool. Or you can use the tiny mouselings if you prefer something a little bit more friendly. I would love for a full range of mouseling type friendly mice. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> friendly rats. <laughs> yeah, so friendly, yeah. I think a, a lot of different rangers put out really useful um, vermin models, vermintide models. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's one that you can get a lot of variety out of by mixing and matching and, and make what is often a, a kind of bland unit on the table into something more interesting by, by mixing stuff up. You can always improve your units by adding extra giant rats into them it's onto true. the base yeah, no matter yeah, what yeah, they true. are. Yeah. Do you guys think that the Ratkin army is new player friendly or is it, is there a pretty steep learning curve? There's a pretty steep buying curve just to get the models. Unless you yeah. want to go games Amen. workshop. Amen. Uh, yeah. I think Please just... keep buying Mantic. We need the company <laughs> to stick around. I think, yeah, I think Mantic really wants to get a Ratkin army line because that is going to be a lot of revenue for each army. <laughs> Yeah, I think, and I think it, it's it is the kind that can be kind of a draw. Like it's um it's it's a force that you don't see in as it's not as ubiquitous as like a human or elf or orc army. So it's a it's a really good opportunity to kind of set the tone of the world um, apart. Agreed. Um, well, also, yeah. it's finally time for Matt for Matt to try to set themselves apart from from their other inspirations yes. that they've had to try to make it their fantasy world yeah. instead of generic fantasy world number thirty two. Mm. yeah well i'd say i think we were talking we hit on that early and michael's been a big part of that too we're just like building the world and like the third edition has really taken a step forward with that and i think it's, it's making a difference sure and i mean one of the nice things about it is that it's kind of a young enough company and all the stories are are unwritten at this point where there could yeah. be a lot of community engagement in that and that if storytelling and if just having a fun world in general is your thing, like, mm-hmm. I mean, just about anyone could be a part of that. It's a big opportunity. And I mean, if you look at media in general, especially TV, ranging all the way back to, like, you know, a lot of, let's say, early 90s anime, all the way up to modern, a lot of shows, like, a lot of show directors and story writers have actually been adopting their role-playing games into stories and other media. So if you got... You know, a group that has the official Kings of War RPG running, you know, 
Yeah. You might be able to have some fun with that. Just saying. Absolutely. So I think we've kind of covered why we enjoy it, like why people would want to start playing the army. So I asked all of you to, each of you to kind of have a sample army list and we kind of do like a brief run through each one. And like you can kind of go through why you made some of the choices and what your general idea behind the list was. All right, so let me pull my list up. So what I've got is 1,995 points, since that's the typical point level that we'll probably be playing up here in the Northeast region. So So I start off (laughs) nice and tight. (laughs) And so we've got a horde of warriors, just naked, and then a horde of shock troops with the Brew of Sharpness and Plague Pots. A second horde of shock troops with the Brew of Strength and Plague Pots. I've got a horde of wretches. Got three troops of claw shots. A Vermintide regiment. Two weapon teams. A mutant rat fiend. Uh, two brood mothers, both with the Blight Staff and one with the Loot of Insatiable Darkness. And then a Master Scourier with the Wings. And that is it. So what was the general thought process behind the list? Yeah, it's kind of doing a little bit of everything, but you know, those weapons teams and the, uh, the claw shots can really put some pressure on folks. And I think at 1995, it's hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's going to have enough tools to, to get through that. Right. And I don't know that, War engines are going to be a big, as big of an issue at 1995, but still like having that master scurrier in there running around causing problems for people, hunting wizards and whatnot. Absolutely. He's like a good uh, Swiss Army knife character. Yeah, he, get, he has a lot of different roles, so I like him. He can, he can disorder a unit, and even though he's not mighty, get in the way just by causing a single wound. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to throw him out there where he needs to be. Very cool. Michael, do you have a list ready? All right. So this is at 2,300 points. This is what um, our next big tournament here is going to be, and it's kind of what I've been doing most of my theory crafting at. It is two hordes of shock troops, a horde of warriors with plague pots, uh, four hordes of vermintide, Three regiments of Vermintide, the Tangle, two mutant rat fiends, Kryza with Bane Chant, a Master Scurrier with the Wings of Honey Maze, and then a Mounted War Chief with the Trickster's Wand. And yeah, this one is just overlapping a whole bunch of Vermintide charge arcs, the core of the Shock Troops and the Warriors. The, the Shock Troops can follow up and, and do some of the fighting, while the Plague Pot Warriors can be just a, an extra little bit of unit strength somewhere where I need it, um, or can, can hold an area of the board if they get near some terrain or an obstacle. All of the rest of the stuff is pretty self-explanatory. The Tangle ultimate support piece just in the middle of the board doing whatever it needs to do at any given turn. The Mutant Rat Fiends are just amazing, and they... Um, a lot of times we'll run together, but sometimes I'll put them on either side of the board. Kryza, I like to just get up in the middle, and she can kind of make those Vermintide a little more scary than you would, uh, a little scarier than you would originally think. Once she's got the the Cloak of Death uh, popping in there, and then uh, potentially Bane Chan or just charging in to assist in a combat. And the the Scurrier with the wings and the War Chief mounted with the Trickster's Wand are just kind of my my troubleshooters, and they go where I need them to be. Jump on something shooting early. 
Um, a lot of times it's really interesting to kind of run them together to support some Vermintide um, on the flank or to go work together on something like a Mind Screech or something like that. Um, so they're just really versatile. Um, I think the, the list as a whole is flexible. It's really, really fun because um, all of the overlapping nimble wild charge Vermintide charge arcs um, lead to some really interesting opportunities. Um, I'm, I really enjoy playing with it. Yeah, all those nimble hordes. Like, that's just a nightmare to calculate in your brain as an Mm -hmm. opponent. How about you, Nick? Do you have a a list you want to share? Yes. This list is 2,300 points. It's the list I brought to Masters earlier this year. It is two hordes of Spear Warriors with no upgrades, two hordes of Shock Troops with full upgrades, so the Heavy Helbers and the Plague Pots, a horde of Nightmares with the Pipes of Terror, just a few points left over. Two mutant rat fiends, two brood mothers, the demon spawn, and a warlock with shroud of the saint and heal four for a total of seven. With this list, well, it took a while to figure out. I kind of figured out the, I suppose, the direction the army felt like it was supposed to go. Just maximum survivability. Just a ton of sustain from the brood mothers and the healing warlock, along with a lot of phalanx in the front to take advantage of all the newer special rules and all the new units that are going to be at a massive disadvantage against them. Mm-hmm. The mutant rat fiends as well, just great synergy with the brood mothers. They work well, they can hit flanks, they can fight from the front. Same thing with the demon spawn. Between him and the warlock, there is barely enough lightning to keep very low nerve chaff away. But, you know, the world, the demon spawn just takes up the whole side of the board wherever he goes and just dominates it with his mere presence. Whereas the warlock goes wherever the most power on the other side of the table comes from and just keeps that healing going the whole game. The list is really easy to play as well. It sets up the same way in just about every scenario. Shock troops hold the middle, spear warriors go on either side along with the mutant rat fiends. And the brood mothers just go right behind the shock troops, which is another thing which most players don't always think about when constructing a list. The question is, can you play this during game four after you've had a three really close games that you had to do a lot of thinking of? Can the list basically play itself when you, the player, is having a fried brain or maybe a hangover from the night before? That's a good point. You got to have a list that you can play in the situations you're going to be playing in. And practice always helps with that. But even then, there's something to be said for just ease of accessibility in playing it. You go forward, you hit what's in front, and the brood mothers and the warlock just sort of fill in the gaps. And thankfully, it actually worked out that way over the weekend, and I was able to beat up Mark Cox by two points for the top rat. There you go. <laughs> which I was kind of disappointed they didn't do racial awards but it's okay it's better for my pride that way it's a personal victory (laughs) so i'm gonna go through the list that i took the best of the rest and got best general with is 2300 points it's 26 unit strength uh it's three regiments of warriors and they're naked and they're actually naked because they're the old metal slave miniatures (laughs) uh two hordes of shock troops one with uh, both with plague pods, one with caterpillar, one with brew of strength, tunnel runner regiment with brew of sharpness, a wretch horde, uh, two brood mothers, a tangle, a mutant raffiend, scud the bud, and two claw shot troops. 
and kind of like Nick, like it the, deployed very similarly every time. Like the two shock troops together with two of the warrior regiments, a brood mother and the tangle form like the center. Scud, the mutant rat fiend, and the tunnel runners with a warrior regiment would be on one of the flanks, usually the the short side. And then the, I would deploy roughly across two thirds of the board, and then the wretch horde would be the anchor on the on the long side with the claw shot troops and kind of go up and just do a big swirl. And usually that worked. <laughs> just come in, roll the flank, take the center mm-hmm. and delay the opposite flank with uh, claw shots and the wretch horde. And maybe sometimes the warrior regiment that would be with the tunnel runners would be on the, the delaying flank as well. And kind of just the formula just worked. And usually like in the two ties that I got, it was the big push with the tunnel runners and Scud got bogged down by bad nerve rolls. So then that was more of like playing for the tie at that point when I couldn't roll the flank in time. But it kind of just did what it needed to do. The brood mothers, just that radiance of life and drain life, keeping the shock troops alive long enough and like keeping the tunnel runners alive. That was like the biggest change for me from second edition to third edition, just being able to keep playing like in second edition ratkin were very much a turn six army for me and then right around when the brood brothers came in now they're like a, they play all the way through the end of turn seven pretty consistently which is amazing so what would you say is the hardest list that you encountered to fight there was a kingdoms of men list with five regiments of pikemen backed up by two uh double hand weapon foot guard and three generals on winged beast and three heroes with some berserker troops as chaff and the pike regiments just take a little bit too long to get through and then having three flying heroes was a little bit much with in terms of like and three mounted heroes like there's he had a little too much mobility for me to respond to properly so when my demon spawn double one against one of the pikeman regiments it just kind of bogged that flank down uh. and i couldn't it, it, it bought him a turn, and I lost that one turn to get around. So then that, it ended up, I think it was Smoke and Mirrors. And he, he actually did the objectives very smartly. And I had only ever played one game of that, which was a little bit of a problem too. So I think you really have to know the scenarios when you're playing Rats. because You have to play the scenarios. Yeah, and with only one flyer, Smoke and Mirrors is a little tricky if your opponent puts a two-point objective in the far corner away from your army. <laughs> so it, he did a really great job with that. And just like the strategy was working until you roll double ones, right? Hmm. But the list just does what it needs to do most of the time. I think I in the lead up, I lost a couple, one game to our local ogre player who's quite good and then uh, to an elf list, a sylvan elf list that was heavy shooting. But other than that, it just it works, which I've been pretty happy with it. And I think at 1995, I could drop the wretch horde and claw shots and just make it a pure melee list, and it might still work mostly. I would think so. So, like we said earlier, I feel that claw shots are you can drop in and out of a list without really changing the core. Yeah, unless it's think, shooting, which it just makes it better. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good versatile kind of take all comers list. Does anyone have anything about rats that they want to share before we wrap up? We could be playing I'm the same type out. of list with salamanders. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be playing rats. Yeah, that's like 
Lizards are like the natural enemy of rats, aren't they? <laughs> They're like furless rats. Yeah, I really do feel that. Rats are a turn six and seven army. They just don't have the power to really chew through whatever we're fighting. In the games that I won big, it's like, it's definitely that turn like five, six, seven, where everything kind of falls into place. You're not like taking massive chunks of the opponent off on turn three or four, like you would with like a really powerful mm-hmm. like alpha list. Yeah, I'd say that we still have a weakness to buzzsaw units such as the various armies berserkers, like the vampire infantry, reapers, and then units like succubi or fanatics. Mm-hmm. Although Currently, we we gained the weakness to defend six armies as well, which we didn't have before. So it's just kind of something to think about when constructing an army, I suppose. I think that people that play rats or are considering playing rats really need to take a good look at at hackpaws. I, I think that they are severely underutilized, and and they're not really pointed to need the rally they they're they're at the points where having that rally too and being at a 14 16 makes them like a, a, a good deal for the points that you pay and, and not having it you're you're not over you're not over invested um at their base nerve yeah i think i agree with that i think there's something there with heck pause have to unlock it yeah there's an efficiency there have we any closing thoughts Corey? no i think we touched on everything but if you're interested in ratkin prepare to paint a lot of dudes yeah it's worth yeah. it. It's a good time. I would go further than that. I would say to anyone who's thinking about starting Ratkin to really take their time with the army and the hobby aspect of things. There's just so much creativity you can be having. You know, these really big horde diorama bases that you could produce with just any kind of theme that you could think of. There's plenty of, you know, different armies that haven't been seen by the community yet, which could come to fruition. Like, that's the really big advantage that Kings of War has over other games, is that each unit, we can have a full diorama that tells the story of the unit and your army. So I think that it was a project that you want to do, that you could really have a lot of fun with it. You could really push the boundaries of creativity. Like, you know, I've never seen anyone play, like, let's say, for example, like, snow-themed rats, or maybe something like Volcano, that are just basically converted to be still under the thumb of the Abyssal Dwarves. There's a lot of conversions for them. Ray Shields has snowy snowy rats. He's got Canadian rats in in the snowy with uh, pine trees and stuff. It's pretty good. But yeah, I think all the big horde bases, like we've been talking about, give you a really good opportunity for good scenic basing and then you have lots of cool monster options for your vocal points for mm-hmm. conversions for like if you want to like splash out on a big giant mercia resin monster or something from creature caster or something like yeah, that you can, like, accurate yeah you can make something like a real centerpiece to go with your your diorama bases i think that's true of any army but i think when you have bigger bases you have a bit a few more options which rats give you i think that's gonna do us for uh the ratkin army review thanks for listening thank you to all of my esteemed guests appreciate all the input and all the hard work you guys guys have put into the community and the game leading up to this to give you such a great perspective on the army uh so thank you and until next time keep countercharging for listening and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. 
Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.